Welcome into another episode, a very special edition of The Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt, joined by a special guest today for the very first time ever. Grant, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, so if you just want to go ahead and tell the people tell the people who you are, go ahead and give them, drop the Twitter handle if you want to, and just yeah, absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Grant Falconio. Um, I guess I'm the, the lead draft expert for these boys here today. Um, that is, that you know, is. my name... I, yeah, out here at uh, Grant Falconio, uh, here to hopefully provide some good insight. Uh, no homerism, I promise. It might bleed through a little bit here and there about the Bears, but, you know, it is what it is, right? It's yeah, natural. I mean, eagle pride never dies. That's all I have to say, right? <laughs> no, it does not, baby. <laughs> Bishop Carroll, born and raised, got to love it, baby. Eagle pride. I'd love to see it. All right, yeah, well. Absolutely. How, Tim, what how, episode would this be? This would be 26, 25, 26, 26, depending on we're we're still having technical difficulties with the last episode. Um, So we'll see. But 25, 26. um, Yeah, somewhere in there to be determined. I mean, you read the cover when you clicked on the episode, you know what episode number it is. You know what episode it is. We don't need to tell you that. Exactly. So let's hop right into this. Yeah, let's um, let's let's go ahead and uh, we're gonna start out with a little uh, get to know you, you know, a little warm up game, you know, not as awkward as some of the ones that you do when you're when you're at a new job or you know a camp counselor, or whatever whatever oh, the yeah. games may be there. Um, we're gonna just kind of talk about some some draft philosophy, some team building philosophy, just so you can kind of get to know us. We're not gonna spend a ton of time on this, but you know, it's nice to know what people think. Uh, you probably know what Owen and I think pretty well if you listen to the podcast enough. But this will kind of give some some insight, maybe on on some other some things. First one we're gonna start out with: Should running backs be drafted in the first round? Who do you want why to don't go we, first? Yeah, why don't why don't we start it out with you, Owen? Should okay. should running backs be drafted in the first round? It's, uh, I think overarching, I would say if I had to give you a flat yes or no, I would say no. Um, I think the, the situation really has to be perfect. There has to be a running back kind of worth the pick. I think there is one this year, but again, the situation for who would take that running back this year is very, very few and far between. Um, you really have to be in like a win now mode where you're not really looking at anything else. You know, maybe you had two or three holes, you filled two in free agency, and there's a running back with a first round grade. And there usually is. Like, if we're going strictly off talent and you take positional value away, there usually probably is a top 10, top 15 player that's a running back in just Absolutely. about every draft. It's just, you know, we don't run the ball as much as we do any, uh, as we used to anymore. So I would say no, but there's definitely situations where it can and should happen. What about absolutely? What do you think, Grant? What's your what's your thoughts there? You know, being that I'm the probably the biggest Saquon Barkley truther there is out there, um, I feel like if there's a player out there that fits and can run behind any kind of offensive line, like let's say let's take Najee Harris last year for example, right? The dude is an absolute monster. He's a freak. Maybe other teams before him could have selected him. You know, it's it's whatever at that point. So you've got this guy who's six foot two. He's been a five star for all through high school, comes to college, sits behind a couple of guys, is fresh with his legs, right? Gets to his junior year, absolutely goes off. And then senior year does the exact same thing, right? The dude's absolutely physically imposing. People like that, you know, I feel like if you have a guy that's out there, like Owen said, if there's like those hulking monstrosities that are like top 15, top 10, right? And you're in a luxury at, uh, let's say, everything past pick 25, right? So I feel like 
uh, a team like the Bills this year, if they, you know, they've they've got a, a team that can contend, right? Mm-hmm. They're that close from winning a Super Bowl, and why wouldn't you go go out and see if you can get a guy like that? Like you're getting a top 10, 15 talent. I feel like if you can add a dynamic player to your team at any point, right, regardless of position, at this point, we're we're transitioning more to an, uh, a positionless NFL on defense, on offense, all these different things, man. I feel like if you can ele- select an elite playmaker for your team, I feel like it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I completely disagree with you guys. I think there's no case scenario where taking a running back in the first round is justified. Um, Fair enough. I a couple of things. I'll, I'll I'll clarify. I'll give you some examples. One, I guarantee you, the Giants regret not taking Denzel Ward in that draft class over Saquon Barkley. Like outside of his rookie year, he hasn't been good. But I'm not going to just pick on Saquon here. Um, the Chiefs when they pick uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh yeah. Uh, they regret that. Like you would rather have depth at offensive line at wide receiver. Now there's so many things that you would rather have another person at and, and taking a running back in the second round. Um, and this is something that I'll talk about a lot too, is I hate the term fresh legs because if you look at who's good in the NFL, it's all of the, the workhorses from, from college, right? It's the tried and true running backs, like your four, typical right. three down running backs that have been their Big Ten type of guys. Yes, like, you know, the guys that are there to just continue to take all that work, like Jonathan Taylor was last year. Jo- Jonathan Taylor got a ton of carries in college. He's great in the NFL. Yep. Derrick Henry, well, that was back old Alabama, not New Bama, right? When Alabama did nothing but run the ball, and they maybe like with AJ McCarron, they threw the ball like four times a game, and like every other play was just like either a check down or a run. So yeah, like. All and, and Derrick Henry translated really well. So I've never understood the term like fresh legs because very rarely do we see that actually pan out and pan out well. Um, I, I just don't think there's enough value at the position and they don't move the needle enough to me that I would ever justify drafting them in the first round, especially when I can get, like you guys are saying, like, you know, there's top 10, top 15 talent guys. Absolutely. But if I can get 80% of that, in the second or third round, I'm going to do that every single time. Then draft a guy in the first, have him get injured. It's just such yeah. a position where injuries play such a large factor that it's not, it's never worth the risk to me to go out and, and draft a guy and never see the value back off of him. Yeah. The variance on first round running backs is obviously insanely high. Like yeah. you can get Najee Harris or you can get Clyde Edwards Lair. Like it, the, the swing and a miss type of thing is very, very real with that. I completely understand that. Yeah. You can get Trent Richardson or you can get, uh, <laughs> right. Or Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, Something crazy. Like the only thing with Clyde is I do think KC regrets that. And I look at the running backs who were taken afterwards and yeah. Deandre Swift went four picks later. Jonathan Taylor goes nine picks later. There, there were. I, def, I think they picked a running back that they felt like was going to fit the scheme, and that's not why you, you don't take a running back in the first round because of scheme. That's a fit scheme yeah. exactly. Yep. You take the you take Jonathan Taylor because he's a top fifteen talent. You know, so but, I, I I definitely don't have any beef with not taking him because I do agree. I think the Chiefs, even with Jonathan Taylor being on the board there, may have been better served to take a Xavier McKinney who had a a sneaky good year for the Giants last year and add him to their secondary, and he becomes very very valuable to them next to Juan Thornhill going forward in the future. The other thing is, is when you draft for this year, you never know what the future can hold. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like the chiefs took Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And then two years later, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So 
I, they would have rather have just had to tackle that sat for a year and then could have used him the next year. Right. Like it, there's all these scenarios where you keep going on and on. It's like, well, our wide receiver core was really set. Well, now it's not. Now it's a mess for the chiefs. Right. So it's like you, you kind of got to be thinking of the future and running back is one of those positions where you can go out and you can go sign, uh, you know, a Levante Murray and he's going to give production for you. I just said that wrong, man. That's embarrassing. Latavius, Latavius yeah. Murray. Oh, that's bad that's your guy. That's your guy too. I man. know that's that your guy. That's my guy. That's so bad. I love Latavius Murray, but I said his name wrong. That's so embarrassing, but you can go out and get a Latavius Murray and he's going to be productive for you. You can go out and get um, a McKissick and he's going to be productive for you like the chiefs. So there's not really a ton of, you know, how much better are those guys going to be in the draft, you know, long-term for you than a guy in free agency? It just doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Pretty true. I get that. Like, I mean, let's say that like you're drafting based on best available. Like let's say um, the, the chiefs thought that Clyde was the best running back available and they figured that the running back position was a, a position of need. Like, is it be- like, even in that scenario, if they think that running back is the best available, even then, do you think that they still shouldn't draft them, Tim? So that let's that'll transition us great greatly into our next question, which is: Do you pick best available or fill a need? I I don't think a scenario. Whereas I think the biggest problem with best available, right, is is a lot of teams just evaluate players and say, okay, this is how we would rank all these players, right? The biggest problem with that to me is it removes positional value. Right. So if we're talking about best available with positional value, there's no way that a running back enters the top 32. There, it's just it's just uh, to me, it's not possible. I mean, even it may be Saquon like, you know, there are going to be exceptions. Maybe maybe Saquon Barkley sneaks in and cracks you. You know, he, he ends up in the 20s. Right. Like with positional value. But running back is just such a low valued position that it's tough with that for it to end up being best available to end up there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I always use a Saquon argument for, because I mean, the dude's easily my favorite player in the league. I, he's, he fits that prototypical mold of the workhorse running back. I mean, he was, it was him all three years at uh, Penn state, absolute monster. Like he, he fits the the mold of like, if, if you don't have a quarterback, like best available, you don't have a quarterback. There's somewhat of an offensive line in front of him, maybe not a ton, but if you think that that player is the best available, I feel like taking a player that you feel like can change your franchise regardless of the rest of the pieces you have on roster. I feel like you, you must take them. And I, I, I feel like that fits into the, you should take best available regardless of position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, it depends on your, your philosophy there. I, it, there's not a world in my mind where you can just throw positional value out the window, especially with how much we know and how, how successful we see other teams being built around, right? Like we saw the Rams go to the Super Bowl this year and Cam Akers played, but they made it to the Super Bowl without their RB1. And I know they traded a six round pick for Sony Michelle, but even look at the return on value the Patriots got for Sony Michelle. They used a first round pick on a running back out of Georgia that they then traded three years later for a six round pick, right? Yeah. You can go out and draft a Josh Rosen in the top 10 and he can have a terrible year have looked like he has no upside. And then the next year you're going to flip him for a second. Like that turnaround in value is so significantly different. That's what bothers me most about that. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like the volatility of that position definitely 
is what's the most scary. But to your point, Tim, that's something a conversation we've had probably five or six time, different times, and something I just always think about is if you just draft a quarterback every single year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you draft you draft a quarterback or like two quarterbacks and just keep throwing darts at the wall, right? Trying, trying to see which one sticks. And one of them, let's say one of them sticks or both of them stick somehow. Um, one of them has a good game. The other one has a good game. They're kind of just like you have a quarterback controversy. Like mm-hmm. being able to just continue to flip picks and continue to get assets to then draft to build around that one guy. You know, I feel like it, even something in that sort of philosophy could pay dividends for a team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would draft if it were me, like, and you're really struggling at running back, just draft a guy in the third round pit in the third round every year, like a little middle round, you'll eventually find a guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What for are, sure. Owen, what are your thoughts? Would you go best available or would you try to fill a need? I, I think there is, you have to play the middle. Obviously there, I feel like there has to be a balance. I would rather fill a need then go best available if you're in the top 10 for sure. Now we're talking about these teams that are down here in the 20 to 32 range. You know, I look at a team like, like the Cowboys or the Cardinals or the Packers, there are two to three gaps there. And, but none of those three are really probably going to super elevate me to the next level. Like nobody here at pick 24 is going to take me from nine wins to 13, 12, 13 wins. So I'm going to take the best of play available player at a position of need, you know? So say the top mm-hmm. three guys are edge rushers and then there's a tackle and I need a tackle bad. I don't need an edge rusher. I'm going to take the tackle. You know, you have to, you have to kind of fill the biggest gap while still being able to take the best player. Like you have to gauge in between. Yeah, if you have I, the the third best tackle on the board and the best edge rusher, and you have a need at both, I'm taking the best edge rusher because you know that that guy is the best in his position. You know, I'm getting the cream of the crop there versus the the, the guy that I probably want is already gone at the tackle spot. Unless tackle is is such a glaring need, or I have a different reason. You know, I have a young quarterback that that was sacked. Like if, if the Bengals were in this spot, like I need to put somebody in front of Joe Burrow, I have to ignore the three best pass rushers. Or at that point I trade down and hope right. that yeah. that third best tackle still falls. Uh, to me. I, I think you did a great example there and you didn't even realize that. I think the Bengals is a great example of, okay, was, was wide receiver or offensive line, a bigger need offensive line was by far a bigger need. Mm-hmm. They had evaluated Jamar chase and said, we think he's that much better of a prospect and they went with the better talent there mm-hmm. and it got them to yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. It completely paid dividends for them. Like regardless of what you thought of it at the time. I mean, I was definitely a main proponent of them drafting Panay Sewell because you well. know, you just drafted, you just drafted uh, Joe Burrow, the a guy one, one, and you're going to, he just tore his ACL too. Like you're going to throw nobody out there in front of him. Granted, they made it work because Jamar chase had one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time, of course. And, it completely changed their franchise. It, it completely changed the trajectory of their franchise in one year. So I feel like you to, to absolutely to your guys's point, like trying to find the fine line between best available and filling a need is absolutely like it's, it's crucial because I feel like if you can finally get that guy that can change things, then you can draft for best of it, like best available or uh, for uh, to fill a need. Like if you can get guys in place that can set you up for later, you can draft that way. The goal at the end of the day, I think is to draft best available. You know, because because yeah. like I said, the teams drafting from 20 to 32 are the guys that they can be allowed to do that. And also, you also have to think if if I'm the Steelers and I need a tackle and say there's five tackles already off the board, the best tackle available has a, a mid to second mid to late second round grade. I can't really take a tackle at that point. 
I'm going to have right. to either trade down and reach at 29 on a tackle for that second round spot, or I bite the bullet and reach, or I, you know, I go get the best corner available because I also need a corner at the time. And there's three corners still on the board. To, to bring this back full circle to like the great point that we're making here and not even realizing is so like if you hit on a great running back and you have two great running backs, there's no value in having two great running backs, right? We've talked about that. Like you're, you're going to only get like a mid round pick, right? Nobody's ever going to trade a first for a running back. That's established. If you go out and hit, and I'm trying to think of a, a great example of this, but the Patriots do this all the time where they have, they feel like they have six offensive linemen that are starting caliber. They'll just flip one for a fourth round pick and they'll just constantly move off guys all the time. You know what I mean? Or, or constantly move. So it's much better to have a, too many you, you have you're overfilled at the offensive line or you have too many edge rushers you know i mean what a problem that is you know yeah, yeah you can always move off of those to get more assets to then flip for the less valuable positions you know what i mean um yeah i think that's something that's not not talked about enough too is is that that that's important when you're talking about best available is hey we'd really like an offensive lineman but if this guy pops you know we can go and trade a juju you know, for a third round pick, if we find a Chase Claypool, we can move off of Juju and take those assets and flip it into that offensive lineman later down the road. You know, yeah. Um, I think that's a very real possibility. I want to kind of move along quickly here. We're eating up more time than I intended. Um, we'll start out with Owen here. Are you a philosophy of keeping first round picks or are you more on the Rams side of things where you're constantly trading picks to try to get as good as you can with established players? Uh, I, I would prefer to keep my picks. I definitely think that trading your picks away can work. Um, it, it's a very rare scenario, I think, where you could trade away your picks and make it work. I'd prefer to keep them. I mean, but if if the price tag is right, then obviously let it fly. You know, um, if Devontae Adams is going to land on my team, I'll give up my first round pick. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll live with Tyree Kill instead of having pick 18, you know. So yeah. – there, there is a fine line to walk there as well, and making sure you're not giving up a first rounder for, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. But I would, I would definitely prefer to keep it. But and if the right phone, if the if the right phone number hits hits my line, I'm 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 sending them out the door. Yeah, I, I to build on that, Owen. Honestly, the, at least my philosophy for keeping or trading picks, like I'm always pretty much watching college football, like consuming it in some fashion. I feel like if as long as you have good scouts that can tell you what's up in the next year's draft and you have a consistent voice and look on the prospects for the next year and where you where the chips will fall for your picks to be in the first round right so let's say that I have pick 16 next year um, and with all the quarterback like let's say my team needs a quarterback and I see that there's all these different guys CJ Stroud Tyler Van Dyke um, Bryce Young all these amazing prospects that could be coming out and I'm needing a quarterback, you know, I'm trying to see if I can move up early. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to continue to stay looking forward to the future, like all NFL teams are, whether they think that they can find a quarterback in free agency um, or via trade, like the Carson Wentz trade or any of the things like that, like constantly trying to look forward and find ways to improve your team in non like traditional ways. Like if you can figure out ways to, look ahead at contracts, anything like that. Like I feel like people that don't look at the draft 
are missing out on so much like so much talent. Like the Rams have figured out how to do it because they have one of the greatest defensive players of all time in Aaron Donald and one of the greatest corners of all time in Jalen Ramsey. And they were able to orchestrate an offense in front of that too. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're an anomaly. Like Mm -hmm. teams when they trade their picks typically don't have the kind of success that the Rams do. Like that's just not something that typically happens. Like and even teams that have a bunch of picks, like let's say the Dolphins, right? The Dolphins have got all these different picks and they're pretty much just middling because of quarterback play. Right. So it's, it's trying to look ahead towards the college and see, hey, well, like this past year, right? So teams have been saying, oh, well, this isn't a super deep draft class or whatever. Trying to see if they can either move out of the first round and get assets for next year, or if they like a guy um, that's in this draft, they can move up, right? So it's just trying to figure out what fits your franchise scheme-wise and all these other different things, like trying to have a, a solid voice and focus on the draft and prospects that way i feel like teams are missing out on a bunch of different ways to improve their team without really having to do too much exorbitant effort the the thing i'll kind of build off of that the rams are the anomaly and they're the anomaly for a couple of reasons right it's not all genius they're able to get guys to want to come in and take less money because they know it'll rebuild their rep right so Mm -hmm. if you look at von miller he comes in for a season rebuilds his rep signs this massive deal right so if you're Allen robinson and you're looking around in free agency and going man who wants me i'll take a lesser deal to go play in la because i know it's going to rebuild my career and i'm going to get a bigger deal OBJ kind of did the same exact thing. Um, they, they're kind of the exception. I think it depends on what kind of assets we're talking about and where a team's at, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the quotes that that sticks in my head is when John Dorsey traded for Odell Beckham, he said, well, I just took Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. with the 17th pick this year. Like, that's the way he viewed it. And mm-hmm. you're like, man, that sounds good. It didn't work out because, you know, it's the freaking Browns. But, like, there <laughs> is time and a place to try to move up and be aggressive. And and part of it, too, is, like, from a team-building standpoint, is rookie contracts are cheap. Like, they're mm-hmm. easy to afford yeah. and, and things like that. The Rams get away with it again because guys are willing to take lesser deals, right? Like that is that is a bigger part of like, hey, we'll stay stay in LA because you know we know we can get the bag somewhere else afterwards, but it's going to give us a chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So it depends on on where your team's at. If you're the 49ers right now, you're trying to load up on picks because man, do they need they need players cheap and because everybody wants to get paid and that's their problem. Mm-hmm. They've accumulated sure. too much talent over the years, so. Yeah, I feel like the Saints are kind of that same kind of bubble, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think we're ready. I think Owen might read an ad, and then we'll kind of jump into the mock or mock draft here. Yeah, I'm going to read an ad, and we're going to get going here from uh, from uh, 1 to 32, which, boy, I'll tell you what. I'm sitting here trying to stall because I had the ad pulled up, and I don't. But yeah. <laughs> um, our first ad is going to be from Nike, actually. Um, did you know that once upon a time, Nike's products catered almost exclusively to marathon runners? Then a fitness craze emerged, and the folks in the Nike's marketing department knew they needed to take advantage of it to surpass their main competitor, Reebok. And so, in the late 1980s, Nike created the Just Do It campaign. I mean, if you don't live under a rock, we all know that that campaign was pretty successful. Um, in 1988, Nike sales were at $800 million, and by 1998, sales exceeded $9.2 billion. The Just Do It was a short, sweet, yet encapsulated everything felt by people when they were exercising. And still, 
feel that today. If you don't want to run five miles, just do it. Don't want to walk up four flights of stairs, just do it. It was a slogan that we all can relate to. The drive to push ourselves beyond our limits. Shop Nike whenever, wherever, just do it. So with that beautiful motivational ad from Nike, we're going to hop straight into this mock. Um, I, uh, I was telling Tim and Grant, I was very late to the process. I feel like I'm usually very involved. Um, I think I've started to realize also that I usually study a lot when it comes to who's going to be around the Ravens picks. And I realized that my, my norm before I did the research, my limited knowledge really stopped at 15. So it's not that I really dove into the draft process. I just dive into Baltimore's draft process and they're always around like 25 to 32. So it feels like I know a lot, but it's really, I just like, all right, well, who's going to be available at 25. It, it's interesting too, because I'm the opposite. Cause if I sit here and try to figure out who the Patriots are going to take, I, you know, I can spin myself in a yarn because nobody knows who the Patriots are going to take. We, you know, we, we're going to end up taking some guy from some college in some town that you've never heard of. And I'm going to be like, cool, whatever, moving on, trust yep. in the process. I, I'm a QB nerd. So for me, it sometimes is a struggle to like really try to get into like, you know, some of the more boring, I'm going to say boring in quotations here, you know. I'm not going to watch highlights of offensive linemen. I'm just, I just don't care. I watched, I, just, I did watch some linemen film this year. I, 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 I just there don't, I, I lean on other people's expertise and try to read and gather information <laughs> as much as possible when it comes to that. Cause it's like, if you're not a corner wide receiver or quarterback and an edge rusher, I, you're just not going to, you know, doesn't get my eggs going in the morning. If you it, will, it's also difficult to judge. Like, unless you're like Grant, you sit down and you're watching the games and you're really looking at these guys every single time. Like you go on YouTube, like all you'll see is the highlights. Every right. guy you watch yes. the highlights and you hear somebody talk about it. Every guy's first round pick, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you oh, really yeah. have to figure out where you're going to get your information from. Just watch straight game tape, which obviously takes a lot more effort to look at, but I did have to look at some, um, some tackle tape this year. Cause I was trying to figure out who these top three tackles uh, were going to be. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Before we hop in, um, this mock draft is going to be what we would do as this team. So it's not a prediction going forward. I I don't think what I have down is going to happen. I think I run my organization very differently than organizations run, obviously. Um, and I think we all can agree with that. I think Tim runs, Tim runs the Jags differently than I would. And so would Grant. Um, you're so, going to you're going to see that it's very much what we would do. Uh some of us, you know, some of us are quarterback crazy. Uh, I mean, Grant kind of alluded to it earlier just taking a QB in the first round every year. That's quite literally if I was a GM and I did not have a guy that was a franchise, that's exactly what I would do. I d- does not matter. I would take a first round quarterback until one hits. So, you're going to see some guys that I do not think are first round talent, but because the quarterback position is so important, I'm going to take them in the first round. Um but that's that's what makes it interesting, right? That it is. So that it is. With with that, the Jaguars officially being on the clock with the number one overall pick for the second year in a row. I have the Jags taking Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama. Um, this one is a tough decision, obviously, with the talented edge rushers that are here. There's three very talented edge rushers we've talked about for a while. Corners are climbing the board. This one. I feel like I had to pass on the pass rushers here. I've, I've invested the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence last year. Um, the reason I don't think the Jags will do this is they did franchise tag Cam Robinson for the second year in a row. I don't, I don't know why you'd ever franchise tag him once, let alone twice. I don't think Cam <laughs> Robinson is a, is a talented guy, you know, a franchise guy by any stretch. 
And uh, I feel like Evan Neal's the best pass, uh, the best pass protecting tackle in this draft, and that's why I take him at one. I have to, I have to protect my past investments in Trevor Lawrence going forward. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the best thing that you can do for your former number one overall pick, who's been trying to run around with his head cut off, granted they've had pretty solid offensive line play, is to continue to build around him. Just mm-hmm. continue to protect your investment. And Evan Neal, he's six foot seven, and depending on where you look at, he might even be six foot eight. The dude's an absolute monster. Yeah. He'll absolutely maul run blocking, and absolutely nobody gets by him in pass blocking. The dude's an absolute freak. Yeah, and I think he he, he played left tackle his senior year. Obviously, that that valuable is. That experience is valuable, but he also has played right tackle and actually played left guard his freshman year as well. So if they need to plug and play him at right tackle for a year because they feel like Ken Robinson is the guy, the freedom is there to do so. And I think I think uh, Ikemekwanu may have a higher overall ceiling just because of how nasty he is in the run game and, and his physical tools. But I think sometimes it's okay to go with the safe pick. You take the best pass blocker in this draft, and you protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side going forward for the future. I, I think without a doubt, Evan Neal is – I mean, I, I haven't found anyone who doesn't have Evan Neal as the best tackle. I'm sure they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a safe pick. I think it's a smart pick. I don't I don't think it's crazy. I really don't. I, I, Absolutely I, I, I like the fit. So, Grant? Yeah, I, just to build on that, the dude's an absolute freak. I mean, if you're going to go out there and with you, with a first overall pick, you know, to protect your former first overall pick, you're taking a dude that I, I think easily is the best tackle in the class. I mean, he's got the Alabama pedigree. He's got the teaching from Nick Saban and all the Alabama stuff, the SEC guy. I mean, it's a no-brainer. He played you know against what? the toughest competition. We're talking about a yeah, guy yeah, that had I to mean, hold up against Georgia. True. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's pretty SEC is pretty much just an NFL G League at this point. You know, when Billy O'Brien is your offensive coordinator, that everyone in that offense is going to come out NFL ready, baby. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Grant, who do you who do you have the Jaguars taking here? So I've actually got the Jaguars taking Trayvon Walker uh, one overall. Uh, I feel like that makes the most sense for them. Uh, The dude's got um, absolutely crazy intangibles tested out of his mind at the combine. Uh, he played at one of the best defenses of all time, uh, at Georgia last year. Um, it, they're going to send Georgia's going to send tons of kids to the first round this year, uh, in, in the next couple of years, Trayvon Walker absolutely fits the mold for what they're trying to do. You know, trying to rebuild that defense, you know, they just lost miles Jack trying to create some sort of consistency within that defense. And I feel like Trayvon Walker is a perfect guy to build around. He, yeah. he has been one of the guys that have flying up leaderboards. Um, he feels like a freak athlete. Like that's, you know, that's the one thing that I will say out of like all the edge rushers. I know there's a lot of talk about how like uh Kayvon Thibodeau is, is a freak athlete. Trayvon Walker to me is just as much of a freak athlete, right? Like, yeah. And he also, to me, feels like a guy who's going to be boomer bust. Like, Either we will have no idea who this guy is or he's going to be like a top 10 pass rusher in the NFL going forward. Yeah, like a Solomon Thomas type of uh, dice roll. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I like Walker a lot. I think uh, pairing with him and Josh Allen going forward would be absolutely terrifying. Um, try to bring that Saxonville name back to prominence. And um, the upside is 100% there. I mean, you hit on it. The, the guy's a freak athlete. He jumped from the 10-15 range not only to top five, but all the way up to one where he's dethroned the previous, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau was the consensus number one since the draft last year. And now he's even toppled Hutchinson, who was a Heisman finalist and had kind of had grabbed the crown a couple of months ago. And all of a sudden within the last two, three weeks, this guy is 
the most talented edge rusher in the class. And I think a big proponent of that is a lot of people have been talking about, you know, the lack of production, nine and a half career sacks at Georgia. We talked about how good that defense was. Obviously, it's very hard to get to the quarterback if somebody else beats you to it. And also, teams have looked at guys like Odafe Owe didn't have a career sack at Penn State. And Baltimore took him in the first round last year. He was an absolute stud. And I think a lot of people would have heard about it if Micah Parsons didn't come from the same college and played out of his mind the way he did last year. So I think the no production thing is kind of worn off. And people are, are looking at the upside. And I think that the reward is definitely there for Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker to one. For sure. For sure. I have got the Jags taken Hutchinson. I know that's a, a safe, boring pick, but when I look at the Jaguars and I look at needs and holes, uh, they've gotten okay offensive line play. It wasn't great. Um, I just look at this thing and I go, okay, we took a lot of risks last year, right? We have, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who's developing Travis Etienne didn't really touch the field this year. We just paid an insane amount of money to an average wide receiver. What do we have to get cheap at to get better? Um, and to me, that's edge rush, right? Like Aiden Hutchinson maybe doesn't have as crazy of a high ceiling as Trayvon Walker is going to have. Um, same thing with, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, like the ceiling isn't as high, but he's a safe pick. I know he's going to be one of these guys that's probably going to come out in the NFL and he's going to have in that nine to 12 sacks every year, right? He's probably not going to be one of the guys that's, you know, 15 plus sacks or whatever, but if I'm Jacksonville, I, I can't afford to take another risk. I need to go with a safe pick here. That's why I'm going Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, I have him uh, I have him going to, uh, to the Lions. I like him a lot as well. Um, the, the thing that kind of scares me off Hutchinson a little bit, I, I do think the Lions would take him, and I would take him if I was Dan Campbell. He fits, what I think, what Dan Campbell wants to do. Yes. He's a culture builder. He he's he's the most well-rounded, I think, of the edge rushers. When you look at the guys that can get after the quarterback this year, and that's the thing that I'm drafting them for, this guy does everything else the best, I think. I think his inside move is very good. He he knows how to win going in between the guard and the tackle. Um, he's a very good run stopper. He's very disciplined. He follows his assignments. So sometimes he doesn't make the play, but it's because he's filling the gap and forcing the running back back inside to his teammates, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. Um the only thing that really scares me about Hutchinson is is taking an edge rusher that can't really bend the edge. He hasn't been super flexible. The short arms don't scare me as much. Max Crosby has has around the same type of arms, and that's kind of who Aiden Hutchinson reminds me of. Um, I don't I don't think he can get around the outside as well as Max Crosby can, but I do think he defends the run a little bit better than Crosby does. So I like Hutchinson, and if he works on the flexibility a little bit and learns how to bend to the outside. Um, I think he becomes a, a very, very steady and a very high-end producer. And I think he's just going to do everything well. And that's something that Jacksonville needs right now. They don't need the guy to go out there and get 15 to 20 sacks a year. They need the guy that's going to go out there and get 8 to 12, and he's going to do everything else right as well. Yeah, exactly. They, I mean, they've got Josh Allen on the other side. It, it, it's a perfect tandem between the two of those guys. As, I mean, Aiden's going to set the edge. He'll at least set the edge, right? He may be not going to bend it on – on pass downs, mm-hmm. uh, but he can definitely fill gaps when it comes to the run. And uh, especially with a, a team like the Jaguars who are fresh off the Urban Meyer saga and are trying to reinstall a new culture with Doug Peterson and everything like that. He's the perfect guy to build around. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I just think uh, everyone's going to say it. You're going to hear it a lot. Like this weekend is safe, 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 safe pick, safe pick, you know, that's, and that's what he is. And the, and the Jags need some, some stability in that organization. God knows. Um, after all the mistakes that they've made the last like 
year. It, they just feel like a disaster to me. Agreed. So the first thing I would do is try to oh, bring yeah. somebody in who's a little bit more stable. Um, I do like the fit with Dan Campbell a little bit better with Doug Peterson. Um, so he's a better scheme probably for that, but I, uh, I still like him going to the Jags. Do, yeah. do I just jump into my second pick now that yeah, you guys uh, have talked about it? It might as well. Yeah, Grant and I both have Hutchinson going to Dan Campbell in the Lions at two. Obviously, they'd have to be lucky enough for the Jags not to take him. Tim, who do you have the Lions taking it to with Hutchinson? Off your I, this is this is a little out of color for me. This is going to kind of loop back around. I have I have Kyle Hamilton going too. Mm. And and I, I know I'm somebody who sits up here and I preach positional value and things like that. The lions are in just such a weird spot. If Aiden Hutchinson's not there at number two for them, I'm looking around and I'm going, man, we really don't want to go out and get another, you know, another offensive lineman. We really don't have a need there. Um, so we talked about that earlier. Like what's the balance of best available positional value? You know, what, what do you do there? Kyle Hamilton is the next best available player. Like he is outside of Hutch. I would say he's the, the next best player available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know strong safety isn't, you know, the value that it used to be. It didn't, it didn't matter as much because teams don't run the ball, but if I'm them and I'm going, I'm thinking the same thing. We need somebody who's going to hit, you know, they don't really need a difference maker. They have good wide receivers. They're not great, but it's too early to take a wide receiver. So I, I, I had him taking Kyle Hamilton here. Uh, I, I like Hamilton a lot. I think looking back on this draft four, five, ten years from now, whatever it is, I think that's the guy that people are going to look at and feel like they missed out on. Um, he is he is one of, if not the smartest player in this draft class. His his football IQ and his instincts are off the chart. He covers well, plays well in the run game. He just he's always in the right spot and. And at 6'4", 220 pounds, this is a guy that could possibly put on 10 to 20 pounds and may be able to play a flex linebacker, a coverage linebacker in the yes. box kind of kind of position. And when you're this intelligent, you can do just about anything. I have him falling down on my board a little bit. He did run slow at the combine at just a 4.59. I think he ran slower at his pro day as well. But nothing that's going to scare me off of this guy being a top 10 pick in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Kyle Hampton, the guy that you're getting is pretty much just this long, lanky guy who's going to always have a nose for the ball and make his make plays around it. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy's absolutely everywhere on tape. I mean, there, there's that one play against Florida State that'll probably run 15 or 16 times draft weekend um, that he just comes all the way across the field, and makes the interception like yeah. the I, I really don't care what he ran at the combine. The dude's an absolute monster. Yes. I mean, the, he's going to whatever the Lions decide to do with Kyle Hamilton, if they do select him at pick two, whatever they decide to do with him is going to be, he's probably going to bulk up and he's always going to be around the ball. He'll probably have a hundred tackles his first year. Like granted, they'll probably try to play with him in coverage a little bit differently, but I think that there's a real possibility that if they move him to a position like that, he would have an absolutely massive first year and massive impact for the Lions. Yeah, I, I would I, not be surprised. Uh, I, I want to expand a little bit on this pick because he reminds me a lot of, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the guy's name. Uh, the Falcons uh, safety linebacker. Um, Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal, thank you. Yeah. He's kind of like a jackknife guy where you can kind of stick him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of think it's exciting to see if Dan Campbell would actually be able to utilize that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to talk about, 
and this is this is gonna I know this is probably gonna piss a lot of people off. I don't care what a safety's forty time is because you know what? He's fifteen yards downfield, so he's got a fifteen yard head start. So if he's not yep. able to catch a guy then, like what what are we doing here? You know, Agreed. like what are we talking yeah. about here? We're talking yeah, you're not drafting him based on his stats numbers. You're based you're drafting him based on his mind. Like the, the numbers a supplement. He's yeah. he's not Agreed. gonna be a press corner against Tyree Kill, right? Like that's just that's it. If that situation happens, fire your defensive coordinator. You know, Agreed. management exactly. Agreed. So, so it's like to me, his forty time. It... All right, we're back. Little technical difficulties there. Uh, you know, critical error when we're recording. It wouldn't be an episode of the Owen Show if we didn't have some technical difficulties, right? That's the truth. That is the truth. But to finish my last spot there, Kyle Hamilton, his forty time really doesn't matter that much. Uh, we're gonna jump right into pick three. Who you got, Owen? Um, I have Sauce Gardner going all the way up here at three to the Texans as another guy that's really shot up the boards. Um, I think he's the best corner in this draft. He's a lockdown guy. Um, with the Texans sitting here at three on my board, Trevon Walker is available. It's another guy I may look at, but uh, very seldom do I feel like you can get a, a lockdown corner. Uh, the Texans are up back at 13. And if, if their top two needs, if they feel like Lovey Smith wants to come away with a corner and an edge rusher in this draft, I think they have a much higher likeliness to get an edge a, a solid edge rusher at 13 than get a solid corner i think they're gonna have to reach they're gonna have to reach more on a corner at 13 than they will an edge rusher so i'm gonna take the best corner available here um i'm gonna get myself a lockdown corner going forward in sauce gardner and i'll probably use pick 13 to possibly address the edge rush later on in the draft so yeah, good t- good point. I mean, I feel like with Levy Smith, that definitely adds a, a layer of how I feel like they're going to draft for sure. But you know, I, at least with last year, uh, bringing the or being the fact that they just can David Coley after one season, and I feel like the writing was on the wall for him mm-hmm. from the get go. Um, you know, I'm not so sure that the thing that it won't be similar for Levy Smith. Um, so I'm thinking that they're probably just going to con- try to continue to build around Davis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So to think that they're going to try to protect this guy that that maybe could be um, their franchise quarterback post uh, Deshaun Watson, and they're going to take Evan Neal here at three, I think, um, just to see, you know, get milk this quarterback for everything that he's got. You put this kid in the situation to succeed for, at the best that he possibly can. Yeah, I, I, I like the thought of like, Hey, if we want a corner and an offensive lineman, we'll get our corner now and we'll settle for whatever offensive lineman we get. I don't think that's a crazy thought. I Again, if Evan Neal's there, though, you don't have him available. If he's there, though, they have to take him. So I would agree. That's that's yeah. the difference for me, at least, is so I think they take Evan Neal here with, without much question. So, yeah, I, I like Davis Mills a lot. I do think he has a chance to be the franchise guy for them going forward. So obviously, Evan Neal's not available in mine. I would have no beef with the Texans taking him at three. Yeah, if if he's there, I think it. I think it. You know, this is the point where you know our boards are going to be a little bit different. And and but yeah, I have no problem with Sauce Gardner. I like Evan Neal a little bit, but you know he's available for me, so that's why he's going there. Uh, let's move on to the Jets at number four. Uh, the Jets at four. I have Travon Walker here. Um, the upside just too good for Roberts a lot to pass on. Carl Lawson coming off injury. Not really sure what you're going to have with him coming back or when he's going to come back. And then John Franklin Myers on the other side. Uh, probably not going to cut it in the long run. You possibly get the highest upside of an edge rusher in this in this draft class here at pick four. And um, I think you you let it ride if you're Robert Salah. Now you add this guy onto your defensive line. And when Carl Lawson is back healthy, that's a very, very solid one-two punch to get after the quarterback. 
and they're really going to collapse a lot of pockets with Quinlan Williams in the middle of the field as well. So I, I like Trevon Walker a lot here. I, I, it's interesting. I'm going to cut Grant off here. I just want to say before Grant says his pick, this is something that I could see the Jets doing. I just am going to say that out loud. So go ahead, Grant. Yeah. So at four, I'm going to have the Jets take Garrett Wilson. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to build on my previous point, the reason that the Texans selected Evan Neal is pretty much the same thought process I have behind Garrett Wilson. You know, the Jets are in a position where their defensive line is really good. Like, it, despite all of the, oh, they're the Jets, they can't not be that good. Their jet, the Jets' defensive line is really good. Like, yeah. those dudes are absolute world beaters. So if you can build around your offense, build it around Zach Wilson, who – had a tough first year for sure to put it lightly had a tough first year if you can give him something else that's not Jamison Crowder or Braxton Berrios and sometimes Elijah Moore right if you can give him an elite route runner like Garrett Wilson I feel like there's nothing but upside there and let's say that Zach Wilson's not the guy you still have Garrett Wilson who's on his rookie deal and is teams are going to to try to move up in this class for wide receivers. And at four, I feel like the Jets get the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Owen. <laughs> I do think he's the best uh, receiver in this class. I do think he's probably the best route runner in this class. And I think that's something that translates to every offense. If you can get open at five yards, 10 yards, 15, 20, 25, it doesn't matter who you're facing. And it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. You're going to get the ball. And I think Garrett Wilson kind of fits that mold. And I think uh, the Jets would be well-serviced to take him at uh, at four. It just kind of depends on how the board falls. Um, and, and it just kind of depends on how they're feeling about their defensive line going forward. Because when you sit back and you look at it, like Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, and Carl Lawson is not a bad defensive line by any stretch. But will they be able to pass on a Kayvon Thibodeau or a Trevon Walker or if Aiden Hutchinson falls? Also true. Yeah, you, they, I feel like that's definitely a team that is can make mistakes. But you definitely, I, I like the Garrett Wilson pick because you have you don't want to fall into this the Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones type pocket where, all right, but was it really his fault? Like, did he have enough supporting cast? You can't give exactly. Zach Wilson excuses, and that's what this pick with Garrett Wilson does. Yeah, yeah, it, it completely nullifies any excuse you can give for Zach Wilson at that point. Like, because they're going to have Elijah Moore, who has immense talent. He's going to come back full health, fully healthy this next year, and they're going to have Garrett Wilson. Things are definitely much improved for Zach Wilson on the receiver. Yeah, front. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to kind of build off of this. Um, I have the Jets making like a smart decision here. I know, crazy. Jeez, the Jets yeah. on some. Stuff. And that's why it's what we think, not what will actually happen, because we all know that that would never. Yeah, happen. I know, right? So the Jets trade back with the Saints. The Saints send them their two first round picks plus whatever else more. I like. I'm not going to get into detail with a lot of my trades, but they're going to trade. They're going to pair their two first round picks, probably a future pick. The Saints are going to jump up here and take Kenny Pickett. I'm going to start out with the Jets side of things. If you're the Jets and you're looking at number four, you have a lot of needs, right? Not some needs. You have a lot of needs. So I can go and get a guy. At, I'm trying to remember when the Saints first pick is at 16. That's, you know, maybe wide receiver two or three is probably going to be available at that point. Right. And I need another for I'd rather have another first round pick than the best wide receiver. Right. If I'm the Jets. So to me, that's why the Jets do this trade. If I'm the Saints. 
the Sean Payton magic is gone, right? So if you're thinking, oh man, Jamison Wells, Jameis, uh, why why get my Winston? There it is. Jameis Winston didn't play that bad this year. Well, the the magic man is gone, right? The the shot caller that stabilized him, he is out the door. So you have to, uh, you know. Be careful how you evaluate him because we can't expect that. And a guy who got hurt last year too, like we got to really play this close to the vest. So I have them pairing up their picks, going out and getting Kenny Pickett, who I think is QB one. The reason I have him getting Pickett is I think Pickett can play right now. And he's somebody who's going to plug in. He's able to, he's athletic enough to move around. He's going to run with the ball. He, he kind of fits what the modern day quarterback is going to look like going forward. That's why I have the Saints jumping up here, getting Kenny Pickett. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense for the Saints to draft Drew Brees again. But the thing with drafting Drew Brees again is that you're probably getting the the oldest version of Drew Brees when you take Kenny Pickett. Um, if you're going to, my thought process at least, if you're going to move up, mortgage your future to go draft a quarterback. I feel like it's got to be guys with elite upside, right? And I'm I'm not sure that Kenny Pickett's got that elite upside. At least I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. And I feel like if the Saints have to trade all the way up to pick four to go do that, I feel like that's vastly overpaying for Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if they're going to move up, I feel like if you're going to move up for any quarterback, it's got to be Malik Willis. I, I, I would stand to agree. Tim, do you have something to add there? No, go ahead. I finish your thought and then I'll jump in. Um, I, I do think Malik Willis has the highest upside of this class. Um, I, I like the idea of trading up, but I think if you're going to mortgage, so I, I agree with Grant that to, to go up in a draft to take a quarterback means you believe that this is the guy. Like you're talking about drafting a quarterback every year until you land one. That doesn't mean give up next year's first to go up to get a guy that might be the guy. Like if you're going to go up. You got to be damn sure this is the guy going forward. And I think Kenny Pickett may be the guy right now. But I don't know. I agree with Grant that the upside there is dangerous. I don't think taking him at pick four is a bad idea, but moving up to four to get him is kind of what scares me more than anything. So, so to give you guys a couple, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna justify myself here a little bit and kind of play a little little defense here. If we use the old school draft value chart, right, that everyone that you know every NFL team has this, yada yada yada. The fourth pick is worth eighteen hundred points. <clears throat> the 16th pick is worth a thousand. The 18th pick is worth 900 points. So that you could literally pair those two first round picks and it in theory, right? Like I know teams get buck wild and, and get in bidding wars and, and the price goes up, but in theory, those two picks would be enough to get up there. Right. So mm, yeah, it's not like you're, you're mortgaging too much of your future. Yeah. You traded your future first round pick. And this is a team in the saints that a healthy Michael Thomas, this team gets healthy. This is a playoff caliber team, right? Easily, Easily, right? So it's not like this is a team that's ready to win now. So I don't want to go out and get a guy with upside that's going to develop and we're going to stink for two years and my head coach is going to get fired and I'm going to get fired, especially when you have a playoff roster. If you go out and get Kenny Pickett and you guys make the playoffs this year and he looks good, you look like a genius and you're going to solidify your job for the future, right? So I think Mm – exactly depending on the situation, it it would change. That's why I have the jets, you know, getting Kenny Pickett, a guy that they could easily be the Mac Jones of last year, right? Like a rookie quarterback that you can take to the playoffs. 
Fair yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's that's kind of where the Saints are at right now, right? Like their defense is getting paid an exorbitant amount of money, and they're all on pretty much their last legs contract wise. Like these guys, the the guys that they're building around, like Demario Davis, they're they're all getting up there in eight in age right so you need to win now so it makes sense for the saints to take a guy like kenny pickett because like you said you can't wait around for a quarterback to maybe develop so if you can draft a guy with traits that you feel like you can build around and that can be instantly successful like a mac jones i feel like that's perfect for the saints it it, the the logic behind it absolutely checks out agreed all right let's move on to the new york football giants Oh, from one New York dumpster fire to the next. (laughs) Um, Here at pick five, the Giants do have the luxury, I feel like, of of, they're going to have their pick of some guys here, especially if a quarterback goes before them. They're going to have probably a top two option at tackle or at edge rush or at corner if they even wanted to go there. I have them going tackle. I have them going Aka Mekwanu here. Um, I think Aquanu has the highest upside of any tackle in this class. He has the best run blocking tackle in this class by far. Um, he has the flexibility. If they really wanted to, they could flip him into guard. And this guy is this guy's the best guard in the draft. I mean, this this guy's ability to finish blocks, push defensive tackles into the second level, move off and get downfield to linebackers and and pancake guys is second to none. His pass protection needs a little bit of work with the technique. He can lean on guys a little bit too much. And, and he does it in the run game a little bit here and there where he can lean into guys and kind of fall and lose his balance and not block anybody. But the the upside here is is otherworldly. Um, and I think pairing him with Andrew Thomas going forward, um, this isn't a spot. I don't think the Giants really can go receiver here. Um, there, there are some other interesting prospects, but we talk about Saquon Barkley and, and the past investments you've made. This guy automatically becomes the best run blocker on this line, most likely, and hopefully can can start to clear some gaps for Saquon when he's healthy and maybe even help keep Saquon healthy in the long run as well as protecting Daniel Jones. Yeah, absolutely. This is a dream scenario for me as a Saquon truther, man. Like, <laughs> as long as we can maybe try to put some sort of offensive lineman in front of him, you know, I feel like he can hopefully get back to his former glory. And there's, I, like you said, there's easily not a better run blocking uh, guard in this class. If you want to even put him there mm-hmm. than Nicky McQuan. I, I think he can definitely play tackle. Um, it, it's so hard for me to look at the giants and go, yeah, we're going to go ahead and draft tackles in back to back years. Um, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I would struggle with. Um, I think he's a tackle. I think it's close to his value of Evan Neal. I think he's just, he's better in the run game than he is in the pass blocking. And to me, that's a turnoff. Um, Fair enough. So that's that's the only reason I, I don't like them going tackle back to back. I understand why you do it. It makes sense. It's too early for a lot of other picks. Um Grant, who do you who do you have the Giants taking? Well, I take the uh I have the Giants taking the preseason number one overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um mm-hmm. do not let what the media says about Kayvon Thibodeau skew you. This is the best player in the draft. Kayvon Thibodeau wow. is going to be the best player in the draft. I, 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 I thoroughly believe that something, whatever happened, he's got bad PR or he's got attitude problems or he doesn't really care about football, all these other things. This is that, that should take a backseat to what happens on the field. When the dude plays and he's out there, he is game changing. He's got elite measurables. Everything about the dude is elite. I understand that maybe you're a little bit frustrated that you know he he opted out of the bowl game and things like that. But that, this that's not uncommon for top elite 
players to do nowadays, right? No. Like he's he's trying to go provide for his family. The dude's trying to get to the next level so he can provide for his family and build a legacy. So if you can somehow get a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau at pick five, it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, I, I like Thibodeau a lot as well. I think the upside is there. There's a reason that when, when the draft concluded last year, Mr. Irrelevant is in place, you go to bed, we wake up the next day on that Sunday, and you go to ESPN.com, and it's the way-too-early mock draft for 2022. And Kayvon Thibodeau was the consensus guy that was at the top of every list since that day up until probably two or three months ago when Aiden Hutchinson train started. This guy has everything. There, there are a couple things disciplinary wise, not off the field, on the field that worry me. I think he has uh, the ability to get out of his assignment to try to make a play. Um, I feel like he's a guy that when he's supposed to be setting the edge, will jump inside and try to make a play and lets runs bounce to the outside every once in a while in the run game. So if you can work on those things and teach him that filling your gaps is just as good as making that tackle for loss when the run does come your way, I think this guy can be the best player in the draft. There are definitely some things to tweak, but the talent is is there 100%. Yeah, I mean, the the problem I have, and the only reason I didn't have this guy a little bit higher is – the reason that he scares me so much is he's so boomer bust, right? Like this guy could could absolutely explode on the scene and, and be amazing, or this guy could be a nobody. He's very similar to Evan Neal in that way for me. Of just, I just don't know what I'm gonna get, and I hate I hate using a top five pick on a on a maybe. You know what I mean? That's that's my only fear. That's absolutely fair. But, I, you know, I, I feel to, to Owen's point, I feel like when he gets out of position and things like that, that's definitely something to be worried about for sure. Like I've seen him take himself out of plays trying to make the big play. Right. And that's not uncommon for college players to do, especially in a, a, a system like Oregon, where he pretty much is the entire pass rush. Like mm-hmm. w- w- with a player like that the elite kids become most of the pass rush. Like that's what happened um, a couple years ago with Miami. Um, it happened. It, it, it happens in college, right? So mm-hmm. being that he's trying to create turnovers on defense to give the ball back to his offense, who of course the Oregon offense wasn't that great this year. He, I have, you do see him come out of position sometimes trying to make the big play. And I feel like that will take a back seat in the NFL as he learns um, you know, that that's not necessarily the style of play that he has to make, you know, he'll, he'll learn in the sense that, you know, he'll fill the run block holes just like, uh, Aiden Hutchinson will, because that's what he needs. That's what he needs to do for the success of the team at that point. And I understand that like, maybe it's, oh, well, he might be having like, uh, on the, on the field behavior problems, like saying, oh, he takes a playoff or whatever, but I feel like that'll get rectified at the NFL and, level. And yeah, I think when you look across and you see Leonard Williams, it, it straightens you up pretty well knowing that you're not the only guy going after the quarterback and you're not going to be the only guy stopping the run here. I think he becomes a very variable, valuable piece on that on that Giants defensive line if he falls here. The, the hardest part for him too, and this is probably like what's hurting him the most, is he reminds too many people of Javion Clowney. Like Clowney had the amazing college highlights and, you know, there was questions about his motor and things like that. So it's so scary for them now, like looking back at it where Clowney thrived when he was a two, but never thrived as a one as your best pass blocker, as your best pass rusher. So I think that's what's hurting Thibodeau the most right now. Um, And that's what's scaring teams off of him. I, I once upon heard a time 
Once upon a time, I also heard that Miles Garrett takes a playoff every once in a while, and he is now the best <laughs> edge rusher in the league. So yeah, that's my comp, by the way. That it's it's got to be my, uh, Marcus. Jeez, Miles Garrett. Jeez. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one to gauge. He's definitely probably one of the bigger boomer bust guys, yeah. um, depending on who you listen to. I, I've got the Giants going Sauce Gardner. Um, we've talked about him enough. I think he's corner one. I think that's just, you know, you're looking at this board. I'm going, man, this is best available. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the play for them. Um, interesting that nobody, nobody has the Giants taking a QB. They're going to run it back with Daniel Jones, apparently, next year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think that's another thing about taking Aiken McQuanu. If nothing else, you give Daniel Jones a protection for a year. Maybe he blocks those Quan. If nothing else, that means next year, if we suck this year, I have full capability to go take a top five quarterback next year. And the next year's drafter, if I have two first rounders next year, I don't have to address tackle. I have Aiken McQuanu and I have uh, Andrew Thomas at the time. So that's another thing that's huge for me as well is if I don't have a quarterback and I don't like the quarterbacks on the board, I'm going to build for the guy that I'm going to draft next year. And I think that's what the Giants should do this year with one of these two picks. They do have the flexibility also of having two top seven picks here as well. Yeah, that they're they're in a good spot if I'm them Um, moving along nicely here. Owen, who do you have the Panthers taking? Uh, I have the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett here. Um, I think going into the draft, I think coming out, Kenny Pickett's probably the 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 most NFL ready quarterback that there is in this class. If you're looking to start a guy day one, I think this is probably the guy that you're going to see the least amount of growing pains with. But um, sometimes growing pains are a good thing. Um, I think Matt Rule is going to try to save his job. He needs a quarterback. Uh, if I if I truly this is just is one of those picks where I wanted to put somebody else here, but I, I just I don't see a world where Kenny Pickett isn't a Panther at the end of the draft unless. Tim is right, and somebody trades up ahead of them and go Kenny Pickett. At that point, I have no idea what the Panthers do. Like, I don't know what the plan B is here. I, I feel like I had to put Kenny Pickett here. He's going to come in. He's going to start day one, I think, with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and hopefully a healthy CMC. Like, this offense is talented. Um, uh, their, their offensive line play is elevated year in, year out. I feel like they've gotten steadily better. They have some pieces on defense. Um I wouldn't be surprised if if Kenny Pickett goes and Sauce Gardner is on the board. This is kind of a, a fit to draft a corner here to stack next to J.C. Horn going forward. But Kenny Pickett is just the name that we've heard the most, and it's the name that makes the most amount of sense for me. It makes too much sense to put anybody else here. Yeah, well, that's why I've got them taken as well. Um, you know, with being that Matt Rule might be on the hot seat after this season, depending on how things play out with him um it sam darnold's not good enough to cut it anymore uh and i feel like it, it's it's a darn shame because i'm a huge joe brady fan that he had to go by the wayside um but it you know you know it feels like they kind of have to put something together at some point right so i feel like kenny pickett's like you said is that nfl ready guy that is going to be the guy that you can put in there and he'll at least facilitate the skill position players that you have yeah. at least you and know? I, I think he they can... have a good enough offense where he doesn't have to come in and be the world breaker he could just get the ball to his playmakers and they can let it ride Exactly. And that's exactly what you're going to get with Kenny Pickett. The guy's going to go out there and he's going to facilitate. He feels like a, the point guard of the offense. Like that, that, that just, just feels like what Kenny Pickett brings as a prospect. Yeah. I would have the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett, but he's already gone on my board. So they, they got duped there. They got beat over. Um, I have him taking Matt Corral. For me, he's, he's the next best quarterback. I know there's going to be a lot of debate and that's going to be one of the things that, you know, you're going to hear people, you know, argue back and forth, whether Matt Corral is that guy or not. Um, 
the biggest thing that I like about Matt Corral is I like the fact that, you know, he played big time football and he's coming from a pro style offense with Lane Kiffin being his coach last year that I feel like the step up that I saw him take when he had good coaching makes me feel better, right? Like I like it when a guy performs better, when his coaching gets better and his weapons get better around him. Um, and that's exactly what we saw Matt Corral do when he gets to the NFL, the coaching is going to be even better. The weapons are going to be even better. I, I think he's a good fit for the NFL. Yeah. I kind of like Matt Corral fit wise for them too. I feel like he could provide that more instead of like the, the, the low floor. I feel like Matt Corral can be explosive in that offense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Robbie Anderson can stretch the field like, like few, right. He, he maybe isn't, super consistent with his hands, but he's at least a, a threat to make a deep play, right? And DJ Moore, they just made a commitment to him. He's getting paid big-time money. Th- those two guys are definitely something to build around, and I feel like if you could add a, a player like Matt Corral around them, that that definitely brings more of a dynamic offense versus what Kenny Pickett would. Yeah, I mean, and you guys were talking about, like, what's plan B? Plan B is to trade for Baker Mayfield, bring in Josh Rosen, let the three disappointing QBs from that class just duke it out for the starting job. Only yeah, if Hard Knocks really is, is the number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If only Hard Knocks is there for that one. That would be the most entertaining um, all time. But yeah, I, I like Matt Corral a lot. I feel like they'd have the ability to trade down and probably still get him. This is a spot where, you know, if if somebody else wanted to come up and take a Kayvon Thibodeau, whoever's on the board that they still feel like they want to get. If even if like a team like the Chiefs want to get super aggressive and come all the way up and take the best or the second best receiver here, it, it's a spot where it becomes a trade down spot, I think, for the Panthers and Pickett's that are not there. But if they've watched Matt Corral's tape, what I will tell you is when it comes to quarterbacks, I don't really think there is such a thing as a reach if you feel like that's your guy. Now, if the Panthers go in and they're like, Kenny Pickett's our guy, Matt Corral's QB2 and they take Matt Corral at six, that's a reach. But if you go into your process and Matt Corral is your QB1, you take him at six. You don't risk the chance. You don't risk of Falcons getting bold. Maybe the Giants want to sit him a year behind Daniel Jones. Maybe the Seahawks want to sit him behind Drew Locke for a year. If Matt Corral is your QB1 at six, you take him at six. 100% disagree with you there. Um, If Matt Corral is your QB2 and you're the Panthers – Nothing else that you draft is going to make you better and nothing else you draft is going to save your job. Right? So if I'm Matt rule, I'm going, we're taking a QB, no matter who it is. Like, I don't care if four QBs go before I will take Desmond Ritter. I will take Sam Howell. I will take whoever I have to, to try to save my job. Right? Like, I I think it's, it's a dangerous thinking because like what, I mean, an edge rusher isn't going to put him in the playoffs next year. Right? Like, the way Sam, no, I wouldn't take anything but a quarterback here. I would, I would probably try to trade down and then take a QB four picks later. And I think this maybe get something yeah, else back. The problem is, is, I think this is going to be a really hard draft to try to trade back in because, like, True. what is sitting on the board that's going to excite teams enough to make them want to get up there to six? You know what I mean? Normally, it's QBs, QBs, and elite edge ed rushers is what excites people. And on my board and and a lot of your guys's board, I mean, no QBs really big enough to trade up super fast for unless you're desperate and or unless you're absolutely in love with and there really isn't a safe bet when it comes to an edge rusher left at six you know what i mean so that's that's the hard thing i think it's going to be hard for a lot of these teams that want to trade down to trade down 
Yeah, I, I think it depends on how the board falls. I think there are guys that I would trade up for. I mean, if I need an edge rusher and Kayvon Thibodeau is there at six and the Panthers call me, I'll move up. And if nothing else, I think the biggest thing you'll see, if Sauce Gardner is there at six and I'm the Vikings or the Commanders or a team that needs a corner, yeah. I will gladly move up and take Sauce Gardner rather than possibly being stuck with Derek Stingler or even like uh, – even a Trent McDuffie later on in the draft. If 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 the call is there and the price is right, obviously somebody will call. That's that's um, good. Yeah, true. For for the Giants at seven, um, obviously the, their second pick and three picks here. I have them going Kayvon Thibodeau here. Um, obviously, we talked about the fit here. In we talked about him. We talked about his fit in in New York, obviously as well with um, with Grant's pick as well. So I'm not going to spend too much time. I like the guy. I think the high end level is there. I think you have a, a pass rush there with him already with Leonard Williams, it's going to be very good. I think they have a decent secondary. Like I said, Xavier McKinney is very good an underrated guy and, and James Bradbury, hopefully they can get back on contract as well. So Thibodeau just seems like the play here for the giants. I think the talent is just too good to pass up. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, Owen and I, you and I both have uh, picks five and seven, the exact same. They're just switched. So mm-hmm. I'm taking Akeem Kwanu at seven. Uh, it, just like what you said, you know, he's he's hopefully going to provide some stability to that Giants offensive line. Uh, maybe open up some running lanes for Saquon. Um, see what if he's got anything left in the tank. Uh, and if at the very least, if Daniel Jones isn't your guy this year, he'll protect the guy next year. Agreed. Yeah, uh, I've got him taken. Thibodeau as well. Uh, I think he's a good fit. And if he falls to seven and you're the Giants, you're you're watering at the mouth. I think that's a, a great fit. Yeah, you can't. I don't For think sure. you could pass up Thibodeau at seven. And also looking at Tim's board, what a wet dream it would be to be a Giants fan and walk away with Sauce Gardner and Kayvon Thibodeau in this draft class would be an absolute day one win if you're a Giants fan. I, Absolutely. Part better. of part yeah. of my thought process, if you're the Giants, is I'm hoping Brian Dayball is going to fix Daniel Jones. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. provide him the best possible defense that I can put together. Right. Like, I like it is I'll fix the defense. You know, Brian Dayball, you make Daniel Jones a franchise QB somehow. Good luck. You know, who has the harder job there? That's what I want to know. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, the Falcons at eight. I have them taking Garrett Wilson. Um, Grant talked about him for the Jets. I think he's the best receiver in this class. I think he's probably the best route runner. And for a team that that lost Julio two years ago has now lost Calvin Ridley to a suspension for a year, lost Russell Gage to the Buccaneers. This is a team that needs a receiver. Um, And I think with, with on my board being having the best receiver available here, um, I I think quarterback could possibly be in play for them here, but with not being in love really with any of the quarterbacks that be here, I think you go Garrett Wilson, get the best receiver here and nothing else. You take the franchise guy to throw to Garrett Wilson next year. I think you, a lot of these teams that need quarterbacks to me, I'm looking at, I'm going to save, I'm going to build my team now. And I'll probably take the quarterback next year when the stock's a little bit higher. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I understand the, the, the thought process behind that, especially with Calvin really being gone, you know, you just made a commitment to, to Marcus Mariota. He's going to be your quarterback for two years, getting paid almost $10 million a year, Mm 9.35. But, you know, I don't feel like that's enough. I feel like if you can, if a guy like Malik Willis falls to you, Right. And you've got a high pick in the second round. You still have that need at wide receiver that you can fill in the second round, being mm-hmm. that this is a deep wide receiver class. I feel like it's a no brainer for the Falcons to select Malik Willis. Right. Maybe he's not going to be your guy this year. Right. You have Marcus Mariota and that's completely fine. They'll run the same brand of offense. Right. They're both pretty mobile guys that, that can create outside the pocket. Um, they both have pretty darn strong arms. Um, and I, 
Malik Willis, in my opinion, is the number one quarterback in this draft because of all the intangibles that he brings to an offense. And if after this year, let's say that Calvin Ridley comes back, they decide not to trade him, that he everything hunky dory, it's fine. And then in the second round, let's say they get uh, a Christian Watson potentially or a Jahan Dotson or George Pickens, anything like that, right? Those are still pretty important playmakers that they could be getting pretty big playmakers they could be getting so to give Malik Willis an opportunity within that Falcons offense who they know it's a rebuild I feel like is a complete and total home run yeah to kind of build off the Malik Willis thing um he scares the living shit out of me um he feels like a bait quarterback right like he's this big strong you know makes these wild plays that just blows your mind half the time but when the competition got better, he kind of fell. And, you know, he was when he wasn't the best athlete on the field, you could tell. You know, there, there's guys when they're not the best athlete, when they're not the best quarterback, you still feel them compete at a very high level, right? Josh Allen, when he goes against Patrick Mahomes, still has a really good game. Malik Willis will just disappear. And that is very scary for a guy who's going from, you know, second level ball coming out of Liberty to now all of a sudden he's going to be playing in the NFL. You know what I mean? That, that scares me a lot with Malik Wills. That's the thing to me that, that is very scary. Um, and the other thing that scares me is he didn't win a ton at Liberty. I w I would have liked him to have won more. I know that sounds super weird, but Josh Allen won a ton at North Dakota state, right? Like Carson Wentz won a lot at North Dakota state. Like this guy couldn't win at Liberty and disappears in big games. So that that scares me a lot with Malik Willis. Um that that would be that's kind of what how I feel about him. Uh I I like Malik Willis a lot. I think he's QB1. I think the upside is what draws you there and is one of those guys that sometimes when you come to quarterbacks, you have to sometimes ignore a certain part of their game, whether it's the stats or the win-loss total or the tape. I feel like a lot of people ignore Mr. Trubisky's tape. They're like, "Well, He's got the prototypical body. He's a three-year starter. This Malik Willis is a guy where I'm not looking at the win-loss record. I see what I see in, in the tape. And this is a guy that is mobile behind the line of scrimmage. I think disciplinary when it comes to making decisions as a quarterback has some things to work on. But for a team like the Falcons, if they were to sit him for a year or, or a team that would sit him for a year, you maybe work through those things and teach him that the check down's not a bad thing. You know, everyone likes to be the guy that rolls out and guns at 60 yards down the field to, to a wide open receiver, but you don't always have the luxury to play with Tyree kill, you know? So sometimes checking it down to whoever your running back is, is a better option. And I think when he learns those small things about being a quarterback and, and, and works on the decision-making a little bit, I think every other intangible there is, is there for me, for Malik Willis. It Sure. It, it's it's ignoring too much for me is the problem, right? Like that that's the biggest thing that I struggle with this kid is, is like, you know, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions last year. He only played in 10 games. That's not special. You know what I mean? That's not, and especially for the level of competition that he has to go against. It's just, it's just a lot. Um, I also, I have the Falcons taking uh, Garrett Wilson as well. Um to me, from a team building standpoint, one, you had one of the best wide receivers uh, rooms like two years ago. And now all of those guys are gone. Like you have one of the worst wide receiver rooms. And if I'm the Falcons and the top two guys are gone, 
I'm going to sit, suck for a year with Marcus Mariota and draft another guy. I know that probably hurt your feelings, Owen. Sorry. Um, it is what it is. You know, I, I know you're a, a Marcus Mariota believer. I know you're, you're, you're in that camp, but I don't think he's the guy. And the nice part about Marcus Mariota's contract, if he's got, if he's unbearable, you can cut him after this year. Like his dead cap hits like nothing next year. So, um, I, I think Garrett Wilson's the play. I think he's wide receiver one in this class. So if he's available, you got to take him. If you're the Falcons, it's such a big need. Yeah, I, I agree. So with the ninth pick, the Seahawks here, um, this is where I have Malik Willis falling. Um, I think that with, with the sauce Gardner off the board, the top three edge rushers being gone, um, the top receiver being gone. If Garrett Wilson was here and DK Metcalf gets traded, I think that may be a solid play for them at nine, but for, for a team that, is kind of in limbo. I think they're going to want to win still. I don't think they want to send a full rebuild. And I think that's a team that is, I think Pete Carroll is confident enough that he can turn Malik Willis into the next Russell Wilson. And I think that's why they kind of look here. They see the kid that can scramble around in the pocket for, for 10 seconds and throw the 60 yard bomb. And I think that's what he's going to try to turn Malik Willis into in the long run. And, and that's why I have them him taking, taking him here at nine. Yeah, for sure. So that's as soon as I saw that the Seahawks trade went through, I said, damn, see, the Seahawks are going to draft Malik Willis. That's the first thing that I thought. Right. So being that I feel like the Falcons can take him because they have nobody at quarterback. Sorry again about the Marcus Mariota thing, Owen, but they feel like they have nobody at quarterback. Right. So if drafting Malik Willis to the to the Falcons just makes sense for me and because you're not there's no commitment really to him the the Falcons aren't going to be a team that competes right the the Seahawks kind of compete and then last year was they were terrible right so I feel like if the Seahawks trade has anything to do with what the Seahawks plan to draft is they they got Drew Locke back in that trade for a reason I feel like I don't feel like it was just for nothing because he's still got at least some value. They, they're at least going to throw him out there, right? He's the leader in the clubhouse to be their quarterback. So I feel like if you can get a guy to just build around him, like to your guys' point, like what you said about the Falcons, to draft a quarterback next year, if you can get a guy like Charles Cross at pick nine for the Seahawks, I feel like if you can continue to just build that offensive line for the next guy, and if Drew Locke's good, great. But if not, we're building around that next guy for next year. And Charles Cross is a perfect candidate for that so I, I mean kind of in this mock you'll see later i have the seahawks kind of blown it up but i like malik willis here because i like the stability in the organization more you're not going to fire pete carroll after two years if malik willis isn't the guy right you're going to probably give him another qb or or he might retire arthur smith is going to have to make malik willis work if they draft him whereas you know pete carroll's a little bit more tenured things like that um i think this division's hard and, and the reason, the one thing I'll say is Malik Willis is that, that boomer bust type of candidate, right? So if he does explode, that is a division you need to be special in, right? If you're going to have to go against the Rams, the 49ers, right? And who knows if Trey Lance is going to be special or not. We know the Rams offense is special. Um, the Cardinals offense is special, right? Like that is a, a division where you have to be special at quarterback. So that's why I have them taking Malik Willis here is because, they they can afford the risk. You have to be next level to be to be competitive in that division. True. Yeah, very true. I, I I like Charles Cross here a lot as well. I think that's not a bad philosophy to have if you're Seattle. 
Um, I I think go back. You know, you get boom. Yeah, you get the you get the third best tackle in this draft. uh, A guy that is very solid, and I like Charles Cross a lot. I think he is kind of like Evan Neal without as much upside. I think he's a very solid in pass protect. He he has kind of the same deficiencies that Evan Neal has here and there um, about like finishing blocks on run plays and things like that. Um, but he's still a very, very talented guy, and I like him a lot. He's, he's coming off the board very soon on my draft as well. So Charles Cross at nine of the Seahawks brings the offensive line that Russell Wilson wishes that he had all the years that he was there. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. so. uh, Big 10, the Jets. Um, this this one I flipped like as we were talking because I, I I talked about the Trevon Walker pick at four with the Jets and I realized that uh, Grant's got a solid point man you can't leave your quarterback out to dry as much as Robert Salah I think would love to have Kyle Hamilton that's who I originally had the Jets taking a ten I don't think you can look your quarterback in the face after and looking at the receiver core with possibly. <clears throat> the best, if not the second best receiver in this class, this draft class and Drake London on the board and, and draft Kyle Hamilton still. So I have the Jets taking Drake London here at 10, six, four, still a deep threat runs extremely well. The contested catch radius is insane. This gives them their Swiss army knife of their receiving core. I think he's got to polish his route running a little bit, but the speed to get down the field is there. The big body to go over the middle pairs well with uh, Elijah Moore going forward and I think it gives Zach Wilson his franchise receiver um, for the future. Yeah, I I love the the thought process behind taking a receiver for the Jets. It just makes sense to build around Zach Wilson, give him an opportunity to shine through with his elite traits. Like the dude is, I he was my favorite quarterback last year. I wish the Bears would have got when I would have been able to get him somehow. And I knew before the season that Zach Wilson was going to get crazy hype because I had seen him play his junior year and make those crazy flashy plays that everyone ended up seeing his senior year. And it, it's it it's it just makes sense to continue to give him guys that can let him bleed through like that. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I've actually got the Jets taking Ahmad Gardner at 10. Um, you know, I feel like it's a plug and play replacement for Richard Sherman for Robert Sala. That like it, it, there couldn't be a better spot for sauce to be right. Uh, the dudes got, I mean, did anybody score a touchdown on him last year? Did anybody score a touchdown on him the year before that? No, no. the dude's an absolute freak. Like he's going to be plug and play for their zone defense and be easily easily going to have, I think the most impact, the fastest out of anybody in this class, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I like him. I I've got him going, uh, Charles cross. I, they traded out for me. I think you look at the jets and I go, their wide receiver room is okay. Um, their offensive line is, is bad. So that's why I'm going to, or I mean, I mean, they're, they're okay at offensive line too. I shouldn't say it's bad. It's, it's okay. Um, I think if Charles Cross is there, I think you got to take him um, because you got to give Zach Wilson as much help as you can. For me, they've got two picks later on, so they've got room to to kind of play and and build weapons later on. So I uh, I like uh, Charles Cross here. Yeah, I mean they did they did lose Morgan Moses in the offseason to Baltimore, who was their starting right tackle last year. Makai Becton's health has been drawn into question with his recent injury. Um, they have the freedom to flex Elijah Vera Tucker out to tackle if they wanted to, but yep. getting Charles Cross here would obviously eliminate that need. Um, I think the thing that I like the most here is with either pick four or pick ten, 
we're all getting help for Zach Wilson, whether it's a yeah. receiver or a lineman. I think that's very important for the Jets to do this year. They did a good job last year with getting Vera Tucker. I think that's the way to go. And I definitely don't think you can have, like like Tim said at the beginning of the show, you can't have too many offensive linemen. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, so true. Uh, at pick 11 out of the commanders here. Originally, I had them getting Drake London with, with the possibility of a, a Terry McLaurin contract dispute coming up. And if nothing else putting a, a very, very solid number two next to him that could play to Curtis Samuel if Terry McLaurin were to leave. I like the fit of Drake London uh, for the commanders, but with him off the board going at 10 to the Jets, I have them taking Kyle Hamilton. Um, uh, Landon Collins became a cap casualty this offseason. They have a really solid defense already. The line is there. Uh, this is another spot where I think Charles Cross could come to play if he's on the board um, for them. Uh, they they have their skill positions to me set if they could pay Terry McLaurin. And... They're, I like their two corners. Their edge rush is very good. They spent a first-round pick on the linebacker last year. This, you go get the super intelligent safety that's going to fill right in the top, be what you thought Landon Collins was going to be, um, and and really fill that need for them. And and he's just going to plug and play very, very well on that, that riverboat Ron Rivera defense. Yeah, and that's why I got uh, the commanders taken too. Uh, I think riverboat Ron is the perfect guy to, you know, get the most out of Kyle Hamilton. They drafted Cameron Curl super, super late a couple years ago and had made an instant impact. If they can get even a fraction of that impact through Kyle Hamilton, he's going to be an all pro. Like the dude will be an absolute monster. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you can get a guy that can solidify the back end of that defense, that, you know, the front end's going to get pressure. They're going to make disruptions in the backfield. If you can get a guy at the back end that can facilitate all that, it's a, it's a home run. Agreed. Yeah, if Kyle Hamilton's there, I'd love the commanders to take him. I really would. But I've I've got him taking Derek Stingley. Um, I mean, their cornerback situation's not great at this point. And for me, he's kind of best available. So that's that's what I've I've got them doing. Yeah, I think he, he fits the need there. I, I like their corners, but obviously again, it's another position that you can never have too many of. Exactly. Um I think Stingley fills in. I think that's where their their focus needs to be here. I don't think they need a receiver. I think the tackles, they don't really need they need interior alignment. You're not gonna take an interior alignment at twelve at eleven. And the biggest thing is is they probably have the best front four linemen in, in the game right now with, with Chase Young, um Jonathan Jonathan Allen. I'm blanking on his name now. Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat yep. and the other DT is De'Aaron Payne. It's like that that front four is it's nasty. You spent a first-round pick yeah. on Jamin Davis last year. The secondary is the way to go here for the commanders at 11. Yeah. Um, 12, I have Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, two, three years ago was the consensus number one overall corner of any draft class he would enter. He has struggled as of late, but the intangibles are there. This is a guy that needs a little bit of coaching, but the Pro Bowl, all pro levels style is still there. Um and I think he goes into Minnesota. He learns from Pat Pete, another LSU guy that wore number seven, and and can take off and be the captain of the secondary for that Vikings defense going forward. Yeah, that's why I got them taken too. It just makes too much sense, right? Like you're going to fill in an LSU guy with another LSU guy, and if he's, there's anyone that he's going to respect enough for to listen to, it's going to be Patrick Peterson, right? Like th- mm-hmm. th- that's going to be an easy plug and play. Yeah. Yeah, I've got – where are we at? Sorry. Oh, I've got him taking an offensive lineman here. Um I feel like after all that money that you paid Kirk Cousins, I mean, you might as well triple down on your offense and try to make it as good as possible. So um, I've got him taking – I'm not going to be able to say the guy's name. Iki Aquanu. Iki Aquanu, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I like Aquanu a lot. I think he would fill in great for them. You run block for Dalvin Cook, pass protect for uh, 
for for Kirk Cousins, and I think you could slide him into guard for a year or two if need be as well with how nasty he is in the run game. Exactly, so that's definitely not. A, and not and a they're going to be a run heavy team with with Dalvin Cook, so I think I think it makes too much sense um, to do this here. This is um, oh god, I, I lost my train of thought here. I don't know, but yeah, I, I that's that's what I like going on here. Uh, the Texans at pick thirteen. I have them going Charles Cross here. Um, both of you uh, addressed Evan Neal at three for tackles, so they waited a little bit. They went high end with Sauce Gardner at three on my board. They still get the third best tackle in this draft. You pair him next to Laramie Tunsil for a year or two, and if Tunsil does become a cap casualty, he slides over in the left tackle spot, becomes your guy for the future uh, on that offensive line. Yeah, I think that's a perfect fit for them. Uh, Charles Cross, absolute monster. Uh, but I've got the Texans actually taking George Karloftis. Uh, I feel like if there's anybody to fit the role of a J.J. Watt for the Texans, it's got to be George Karloftis. He's got that same build. He's got that same work ethic. It just seems like they play very, very similarly. And uh, with Levy Smith being there now, uh, it feels like he's just a perfect Levy Smith guy. He's going to fit right in. He's going to be that challenging end and absolutely make an impact year one. Yeah, I, I've got a, a little bit different. I've got him going Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. I He feels like a guy that Lovey Smith would look at and be like, yeah, that's who I want coming off my edge. Um, I I like I like him a lot. I feel like he's one of the guys that isn't getting talked about enough coming off the edge. Um, he He's, again, one of those guys that, you know, ran a 4-5. Like, the guy is an absolute monster when it comes mm-hmm. to the board. Um, and if you're the Texans, man, you're, you should take risks here, right? Like you do not need to be taking the safe picks because, uh, you know, I like Davis Mills a lot. That's why I don't have him taking a QB, give him another year, see what he's got, but you need to be taking big swings and, and trying to hit big. So that's why I like Agreed. Jermaine Johnson here. It's, it's a big risk, yeah. but I think it's worth it for them. I hardly think Jermaine Johnson's a risk. I I really like Jermaine Johnson's tape. I just don't feel like he's a he would fit necessarily the build that the Lovey Smith defense would be. But I think Jermaine Johnson is probably the number two uh, edge rusher out of this, or two or three uh, with uh, Hutchinson and Thibodeau ahead of him. But he's got elite intangibles. Like the dude was a part of the Georgia defense two years ago, transferred out, went to Florida State, absolutely beat up the Hurricanes, made a name out of himself, and put himself in the first round. The dude is an absolute monster. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I don't remember what um, kind of defense Lovey Smith plays. If we're being honest, uh, I probably should have looked into that. So that that might be a bad fit. But I mean, if the second best edge rusher is there in your mind, you got to take him at thirteen, right? How do you not agree? Oh yeah, how do you not? Um, fourteen. Um, my Baltimore Ravens here at fourteen. The the bottom line here for Baltimore is they're going to go best available. Um, uh, I've seen a lot of Drake London here at fourteen. I've seen Trent McDuffie. I saw Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley when they were going to fall this far. Was going to be here. And, and I have them going with Trent McDuffie here. Um, I think McDuffie has – he plays bigger than he is at 5'11". He has the ability to line up outside. But as of right now with the way the Baltimore defense is set, with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters on the outside, I think they're going to slide him into the slot. He's going to play that slot role for now until Marcus Peters' contract's up. And if nothing else, if they re-sign Marcus Peters, you continue to play that guy in the slot. I think Marlon Humphrey is going to be most effective on the outside. He's filled in very well in the slot role these last two years when they had nobody else to go there. Now they bring McDuffie in. He's going to fill the slot well, and you move Marlon Humphrey out back to where he should be, and that should be on an island against the number one receiver of the opposing offense. Oh, for sure. I have uh, I have the Ravens doing the exact same thing. Uh, it feels like you're putting a playmaker into the slot when you draft Trent McDuffie. You know, like you're you're able to put Marlon Humphrey on the outside. Granted, it's it, he's an elite corner, right? The dude's an absolutely locked down corner. So if you can pair him with a guy like Trent McDuffie, 
so Trent McDuffie's going to get the the slot role, right? And he's mm-hmm. in college. He's shown that on multiple occasions, he's willing to go out there and make a play. He's willing to put his head on the line, make a huge play, make a big hit. The dude's just absolutely perfect for the Ravens defense. Yeah, I, I think the Ravens are absolutely out of their gore if they do not draft a wide receiver here. Genuinely. Um, I love the value that you would get if you get Trent McDuffie um, this late. I, I think I think there's a good chance that he slides up. Or I think he's going to move up here as we edge closer to the draft. Um, I'm taking Drake London. If Drake London's there and they do not take him, I will. I'm going to lose my mind because like you need to give Lamar Jackson no excuses, right? Especially if he's not going to sign a contract this year. If you give him a legitimate number one, like this is this is your year to double down, try to go to the Super Bowl, right? Like. The Browns are looking dangerous going into next year. Who knows what the Steelers are going to be next year. Um, This is your chance to strike while the iron's hot. And if I'm them and I'm looking at what the Bengals just did, I got to draft a wide receiver. I just absolutely have to. Yeah, you're giving uh, Lamar Jackson no excuses to not resign at that point, right? You're giving him hopefully a guy that can plug into their wide receiver one role that they've been looking for. Uh, Yeah, Rashad Bateman kind of got... Uh, hurt a little bit last year, but you know, it feels like if you can fill that role alongside Rashawn Bateman, you know, you're feeling good. Yeah. And I think if nothing else, it gives Baltimore one guy to fill each three roles on um, in your wide receiver courts. You want, you know, they have the deep threat in Hollywood. You have your route runner in Bateman, and now you have your physical guy to go over the middle with Mark Andrews um, and, and Drake London. It definitely does make sense. He's off the board for me. I wouldn't be mad, but it's going to be tough for Baltimore to draft on uh, to pass on a lot of these defensive prospects that are going to be available here at fourteen. Very true. Um, for uh, fifteen uh, for the Eagles, I have them taking Devin Lloyd here. Um, I think he's the best linebacker in the class. That's by far and away the weakest point of their defense. They're another team that has a very strong front four. I like their secondary a lot. I think if a corner falls here, I wouldn't be mad to see them take one if Trent McDuffie or Derek Stingley were here at fifteen, but. Uh, defense, I think, is your biggest weak spot right now, and that's where I think they're going to address is the middle of that defense, and they're going to take Devin Lloyd here to fill in for them. Yeah, I can absolutely see the, the merit behind drafting Devin Lloyd. Uh, I'm a little bit afraid of him um, for the reasons that I think you guys are afraid of Kayvon Thibodeau. I've seen himself, I've seen him just straight up take plays off. I've seen him just run himself out of holes on uh, run fill. Uh, in coverage, you know, sometimes it looks like he's not super fast. He's that's And that's his claim to fame, to be honest. It's it's his coverage. And he can make absolutely incredible plays in coverage, but sometimes it, it looks like he takes himself out of positions uh, just based on schemes and the routes that uh, come underneath him. Uh, he can get a little bit confused when there's multiple people running into his zones and not passing off uh, based on boxing coverages and things like that. But uh, I think Devin Lloyd would be a good fit for them, especially being that they need uh, that type of guy that can play the pass and be able to be confident in, to ch- at least chase guys down if the front four can't get them right. Uh, but I actually have the Eagles taking Jordan Davis. Uh, I'm thinking they're taking best available here at this point, right? Jordan Davis is an absolute monster. The dude's huge. Um, he, he's going to fit right into their uh, the Eagles defense and at least give the the edge rushers a chance more so now than ever uh so him pairing him with brandon graham uh i i feel like is just uh, an embarrassment of riches at the defensive line yeah i i i agree i think they need like i i think middle linebacker isn't crazy i know that it's a huge need for the eagles um it's a big hole in their defense i don't i don't hate jordan davis either i like jordan davis a lot as a prospect i feel like the problem is is he plays d tackle so that's gonna devalue him greatly but uh i do like him um, I have the Eagles doing, you know, 
I don't know, Grant, if you how much you listen to the podcast. It's okay. You don't have to lie to us. Um, I I am a like closeted Eagles fan. Like I am probably like I don't know why. Like I'm not actually like I'm not actually an Eagles fan. I love this franchise for some reason, though. It's just so weird. I don't know. We have a weird relationship. Um, there were many times I called the Eagles being a playoff team way too early last year um, and was kind of leading that bandwagon. But I have them trading this pick to the Seahawks and going and getting DK Metcalf. And if wow. that doesn't make this an explosive offense, I don't know what will. Um, nothing will. Nothing. Will. Right. Like then, like this is the year for them that you go, okay, Jalen Hurts, we'll give you DK Metcalf and you got to perform. Like, Mm-hmm. draft a draft a linebacker in the second draft a running back you know in the fourth and you know hey this is our year because if i'm looking around if i'm the eagles we made the playoffs last year right in in the nfc which is a pretty tough division to make the playoffs in the cowboys they got worse the eagles or i'm sorry the giants i don't think they got significantly better this offseason right um no i don't yeah, they stayed the same at best. The the, the Washington football team, I mean, with everything that's going on with Terry McLaurin, you know, they bring in Carson Wentz. Who knows what that team looks like? I'm going all I'm pushing my chips in the middle. I'm going all in. So um I have them trading that pick to the Seahawks. I have the Seahawks then filling a big need for them, wide receiver with uh Chris Olave. So Yeah, um I like Olave a lot as a deep threat. Um I think he is is an absolute touchdown machine. Can take the top off any defense. He is a machine in the red zone as well. He's a very gifted route runner. And to watch these both of these Ohio State receivers go in this class and how talented they both are with Garrett Wilson being the other is is absolutely insanity to see that the level of talent that CJ Stroud had to work with this year. Oh yeah, absolute embarrassment of riches. At one point, that Ohio State wide receiver room was Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave. And Garrett Wilson, all mm-hmm. at one point. Absolutely. It's absolutely embarrassment of riches at wide receiver for them. They they need to get Brian Hartline, their wide receivers coach, at raise, man. He is absolutely pulling in first-round wide receivers left and right. Yeah. And to build on Chris Olave, um, you know, some people's gripes with him is that he can't beat press coverage. He can. Um, you know, it, it they're – the Ohio state scheme is to everything is pretty much just flowing left and right. They try to maximize like the, the 49ers do just in a different way to maximize the sidelines, right there. There's all this real estate on both sides of the field that they can be using. So Chris Olave is, is pretty much everything that as long as that there's not a guy directly in front of him, he's going to be open. Like if there's not somebody completely holding him, the dude's going to be open at some point during his route. So it's, it's perfect for him. And if drew Locke's going to be the Seahawks guy, or if it's going to be Malik Willis, they're going to, at least in your scenario, it's Malik Willis. Malik Willis is going to have a great guy that's going to be open probably 70 or 80% of the time. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it's another way that the Seahawks are just going to completely blow it up and rebuild. That's that's what I'm viewing going on here. So. I can see yeah, it. Sure. Um, at 16, um, I have the Saints taking Jameson Williams here, who was the consensus wide receiver one before he tore his ACL in the national championship yes. game. This guy is an absolute freak of nature. And I think the Saints are patient here. Um, I think they waited out. And again, they're they're giving Jameis the chance to be the guy. You're going to stack a Jameis Wilson, uh, Jameis, Jamison Williams next to a healthy Michael Thomas for for a year next to Jameis. And if he's not the guy, then guess what? Jay, uh, the the next quarterback to suit up for the New Orleans Saints 
whether it's a guy they draft next year, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whoever it is, is going to have a very, very talented trio of receivers in Michael Thomas, Jameson Williams, and Deontay Harris going forward. Yeah, and I've got them taking Jameson Williams too. Uh, he's my number one wide receiver. Uh, I'm not really afraid that those Alabama kids tear their ACLs anymore. I don't know what sort of rehab plan they got them on, but a, a, an ACL injury for an Alabama or a Georgia kid just doesn't scare me anymore. They have those guys absolutely rehabbing at crazy levels. Jameson Williams provides to an offense things that are I don't think you can get from other receivers in this draft. I think that he's got the ability to stretch defenses like a Tyree Kill can. He's got absolutely elite speed he can make contested catches he's always open I think at least on paper if you're afraid of the ACL injury okay I understand that but if you take the ACL injury out of this from a sheer prospect perspective Jameson Williams has to be your number one guy I I understand that maybe he didn't have a whole bunch of uh, of tape pre this year but he went on the biggest stage went to Alabama had a an absolutely insane year put himself on the map put at least put himself in the first round if you didn't already know about him the dude's an absolute monster and he's my receiver for the saints moving forward yeah i I like the fit there in new orleans especially having a guy like michael thomas who can be kind of your route runner and then having somebody who can take the top off the defense i think it's a really good fit um i have the jets taking uh obviously the saints traded this pick up to go get kenny pickett in my draft i have the jets taking uh, Devonte Wyatt. And, uh, we just talked about, you know, uh, a D tackle. I, I like this move for the jets because I'm looking around and I'm going, okay, we either have to be, we have to be elite at something. So going and getting a defensive tackle is one going to help us stop the Patriots run game. And two is going to help us rush after what the bills are putting through. I think I know it might be crazy, but I have them just going all in, making that interior line, make making. I think this would give the Jets arguably one of the best run defenses in the league. Oh, I agree. Yeah, they're not slouches to start with anyway. I, I think Grant uh, evaluated that earlier. So adding a Devontae White here, if they were to trade back, is definitely something that they can't be too mad about doing. For sure. Um, sure. I think Devontae Wyatt's going to provide that absolutely monstrous uh, alternative to Quinn Williams. It's just that'd be nuts. It's a nasty four three for Robert Salah going forward. Yes, it is. Um, sure. The Chargers here. Uh, the Chargers are a team that have the luxury of being high, the decently high in the draft, and not really having a lot of holes to fill. They they filled their edge rusher spot with Khalil Mack. They brought in J.C. Jackson at the corner spot. There's a team that really doesn't have a lot of gaps. I think it's a team that they'd love for Jamison Williams to fall to him. If they could stack Jamison Williams next to Keenan Allen and Mike uh, Mike Williams going forward would be absolutely nasty um, with with Justin Herbert thrown to him. But obviously Williams is off the board here. Uh, they made moves in the offseason to get some run stoppers in at that defensive tackle spot. And I think those guys are going to be really good rotational pieces uh, to play behind the guy that I think they're going to draft here in Jordan Davis, uh, 6'6", 3'30". The guy's an absolute animal. And I think you take him as the pure run stopper that's going to eat a lot of double teams, let Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa work freely. And if nothing else, man, I'll tell you what, the the idea of Jordan Davis working out five times, six times a week with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa teaching him pass rush moves is probably the most terrifying thing I could see coming out of this draft. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much what people are afraid of with when it comes to Jordan Davis. It's like, oh, well, he sometimes gets lost in pass coverages or on passing downs. 
uh, he's going to be learning from the best of the best if that mm-hmm. happens, right? And that's a perfect fit. Uh, unfortunately, in my mock, it, he didn't fit that, or he didn't uh, fall that way. Instead, they get Devontae Wyatt, who is pretty much got the same upside. Like they're, It feels like these two players can have the same amount of impact on a defense. Um, Devontae Wyatt's going to be a little bit more uh, rounded in the passing game. Uh, I feel like he's going to be uh, – he might have to bulk up a little bit to try to play on the inside a little bit. But I, it, to your exact same point, Owen, they're trying to fill that uh, run-stopping – role and trying to you know make that defense more rounded instead of having just two strong edge rushers yeah yeah i i like i like both of you going d tackle there um i have the chargers taking trevor penning i know that that sounds a little bit weird especially after last year they took a tackle um i actually like penning to move oh excuse me to the inside i think a six seven three twenty five guard um it's terrifying, especially in the AFC yeah. West is kind of going to be what you need to, to kind of hold things up. So I, I think they got to add some stability to that offensive line. Maybe you kick Trevor Penning inside. Maybe he plays right tackle. I think it's a, overall a good, a good move for the Chargers to really put as much, as much offensive pieces around Justin Herbert as they can, especially spending so much in free agency on defense. Yeah, I would agree. I think Penning's a mauler, and anytime you could put guys around Justin Herbert on that offensive line, it's never going to be something you turn your head up up. True. Um, the Eagles pick 18 here. Uh, this is actually, Tim, I'm not going to lie, I copied you. Um, I was trying to find to fit one of these wide receiver trades in here. DK Metcalf for the Eagles just makes too much sense to me. Um, I have them trading this pick away. And I have the Seahawks deciding to, again, fill something that they needed needed to fill a long time. George Karloftis is set a little too long on my board. Um, with DK Metcalf's pending contract situation, Tyler Lockett's still on contract and the ability to possibly get a receiver in the second round. I have the Eagles uh, getting DK Metcalf here from the Seahawks and them taking George Karloftis to beef up that pass rush here at pick 18. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that it, it's it's too easy not to to take that pick there. Uh, I actually don't have the Eagles trading out of this pick. Uh, they do end up taking Devin Lloyd just two picks uh, after their first one. Um, to your point, like you said, uh, he's going to be perfect to fit that middle of the field. He's fast enough to get at least get in position. Right, uh, he might have to you know get hit a little bit of athletic exercises here and there, but uh, I think that. He, for the most part, he's going to be a good facilitator when it comes to passing downs. Like he'll probably play more of like an Isaiah Simmons type of role, mm-hmm. like what they how they use him in uh, in Arizona. Um, but I think it's a perfect fit for them, especially needing at linebacker. Agreed. I and I have him fill in a need. I have Nicobe Dean. Um, I, I I think I mean one. Let's just talk about for a second how great George's defense was last year. It's like man, yeah. no wonder they won a national championship. They're going to have like you know, five to eight guys that go in the first round coming off that defense. Um, I think, I think linebacker is a gaping hole for the Eagles. So I think Dakobe Neen is going to be, or gosh, I cannot say anybody's name. That's why I hate that. Um, I like his range. I think he's, he's a faster linebacker. Um, so he can kind of play more coverage. And if I'm the Eagles, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking to fill right now. Oh yeah. He's like, he plays like a pit bull. He's like a uh, Roquan Smith jr. Uh, and I, Absolutely love Nicobe Dean. Yeah. Agreed, Joe. Um, 19, I have the Saints taking Trevor Penning. Again, big mauling tackle, 6'7", has the ability to flex inside if they need to. Uh, I think it fills the gap left by Teron Armstead if they want to flip Ryan Ramsey over to left tackle, put Penning at right. I think Penning could also work at left tackle as well, um, filling a gap on that offensive line for whoever the quarterback of the future is for the Saints. 
Oh, for sure. I feel like whoever drafts Trevor Pinning uh, is definitely getting some versatility there, uh, especially being that he's six seven, so athletic. Uh, I do have the Saints taken at 19, Jermaine Johnson. I feel like Jermaine Johnson is the best player available at this point, uh, and it's at a premium position for the Saints, you know, uh, especially with their aging defense. It feels like Jermaine Johnson, a guy that had lots of success last year, um, highly talented uh, despite having to transfer out of Georgia, who was on that Georgia team uh, just the year before. Um, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah, I think fills in for an aging cam. Uh, was it Cameron? Oh, Lord, I forgot his last name, too. Cameron oh, Jordan. Second. Cameron Jordan. Yep, there you yeah. go. And aging Cameron Jordan, they lost Trey Hendrickson in free agency last year to the Bengals. I think that one makes sense as well. Tim, what you got? Uh, I've, again, they traded this pick to the Jets to move up. I've got them taking Traylon Burks, the Jets do. Um, you know, I think you kind of have to build an offense that's going to work around Zach Wilson and uh, Burks is going to be a big deep threat for him. And I think you just build an offense where, you know, Zach Wilson can just literally hurl the ball downfield. So I think that's, that's what he does. So yeah, that's what he does now. So I'm just giving him more weapons to do it with basically is, is my game plan there. Yeah. I like it a lot. I, we are, we are getting a little close on time here. Um, We've we've got about you know fifteen minutes or so, so we're probably going to have to fly through these next uh, next twelve picks here as, as best we can. So if we spend a little bit less time talking about them, that's why. Fair enough. Uh, twenty uh, Steelers have picked twenty here. I've been going Bernard Raymond, uh, tackle out of Central Michigan, another massive guy. Uh, way it's listed at six six. I think he actually came in at six seven in his pro day, three hundred pounds. It's going to be a big tackle replacement for them after losing Andre Villanueva last year to free agency. And I think it builds Mitch Trubisky's line and whoever the quarterback of the future is for the Steelers as well. Yeah, uh, along the same lines, I have the Steelers taking Trevor Pitting. Uh, like I said, with his versatility, I feel like if wherever they need him, he can play. Uh, definitely provide some more comfort for Mitch and hopefully Najee Harris, who they drafted in the first round last year. Uh, I feel like he'll have more of an impact uh, if Trevor Pitting can uh, fall to the 20, the Steelers. I've got them taking Trent McDuffel. If he falls this far, the Steelers are losing their mind. Um, and I think they're going to try to recreate the steel curtain with a pick like this. Yeah, I think Flex is in well. He can play outside. He plays inside, plays bigger than he is. It would be a dream scenario for the Steelers if Trent McDuffie falls that far. Absolutely. Um, 21, the Patriots. Uh, I have them going to Kobe Dean here. I think he automatically, within two years, probably becomes an all-pro type of linebacker for the Patriots. An absolute athletic freak to play in the middle of their defense. The heir apparent to Dante Hightower just makes way too much sense for Bill Belichick and this defense to pass on this kid. Yeah, I've got him doing the exact same thing. Heir apparent to uh, Dante Hightower. Plug and play, absolute beast. Uh, I've kind of got a wet dream here. Uh, Jameson Williams falling all the way down to the Patriots. This is definitely something that I would love to see happen. Uh, he's a Bama guy. Bill Belichick loves Bama guys, so there's no denying that. He loves Bama and Georgia guys. Um, and he's really what we need. We need an elite speed guy, somebody to take the top off the defense. So I, I'd love to see this happen, but probably won't make it that far. But a guy can dream. Yeah. Uh, pick 22. Uh, I have obviously the Packers here. I have them taking Traylon Burks uh, again. Scary good, a six four frame, still fast, six three frame. Uh, I think he's the guy that comes in and takes a lot of the the catches that that were previously held by Devontae Adams. And I think uh, Chris Olave may be a tad bit more talented. He is going to come here in, in a couple picks, but I think Traylon Burks fits the mold a little bit better for the Packers and does a little bit more all around for them. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, along the same lines, uh, the first of the two picks that the Packers have, I haven't taken Drake London. Um, I, I feel like it's a guy that's going to draw most of the focus, um, even year one, uh, this being that he's so physically imposing. Uh, they just signed Sammy Watkins, so they're not really looking for a guy that can stretch the field like that, unless they are really trying to transition to, you know, trying to find like a, a more dynamic offense, trying to continuously just throw the ball 20 plus yards down the field, but I'm not sure that's going to be uh, super feasible. So I think Drake London here, you know, a guy that can go out there and make a contested catch, uh, it give it to you when you need it and let the other guys like uh, Alan Lazard and uh, now Sammy Watkins, you know, let them play for you a little bit more as well as Amari Rogers, who I think may take a step up this year. Um, I feel like Drake London is probably the pick for him. Okay. I like it. I, I got another spicy one for you, boys. I have the Packers trading this pick for another other than Kansas state local Tyler Lockett. I think the Packers get desperate here um, and they look and they go, man, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed if he has to deal with a rookie wide receiver. We're just going to go out and get a veteran guy. Um, I do have the Seahawks sending a little back back more like a role starter player back for it. I don't think Tyler Lockett's worth just a first straight up, but that's what I have them doing. So I have the Seahawks go ahead and drafting Andrew Booth here. Yeah. Rangy corner. Um, and it's going to fill in well into that Seattle secondary. Yes. Uh, the Cardinals to 23. I'm taking Devontae White here again. Talented pass rush. Uh, they're going to be a little lacking this year without Chandler Jones, but I think uh, they beef up the interior of that line, try to stop that San Francisco run-heavy offense, um, and, and Cam Akers as well in L.A. Take Devontae White, stuff up the middle of that defense, and hopefully you can scheme some edge rush pressure around him. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I actually have them taking uh, Andrew Booth here, uh, helping out on the back end. I feel like uh, a long-ranging corner, like you said, uh, would definitely provide a, a level of uh, protection on their defense. You know, um, being able to go up and guard those bigger guys um, in the uh, NFC West, it just makes sense for me, uh, you know, especially with uh, them kind of needing corner, uh, trying to rely on the position. I think Andrew Booth is a perfect fit here and is good value. I'm just going to say this real quick. I think Andrew Booth might be one of those guys that we look back on and go, man, how did that guy fall later into the first round? Like he's going to be one of those guys that people sleep on too much. He's a freak of nature. Yep. He is. I have the Cardinals going Jordan Davis. I think if this falls to them, I think they're really, really happy here. Um, that defense is pretty loaded. Um, I think Jordan Davis is, is a nice add on to it. Help him stop that run. Yeah, and I think learning under J.J. Watt is is something that the rest of the league doesn't want to see for Jordan Davis going forward. Yes, for sure. Um, pick 24, the Cowboys here. Um, I'm looking at this board. I'm not in love with a lot of the things that are left. I feel like a lot of the things the Cowboys do may be a reach here. Um, so I have them trading down um, for the second time. Uh, Jerry Jones trades down, and the Chiefs get aggressive. Tari kills out the door. Chris Olave is on my board. The Chiefs are going to go up to pick 24, take Chris Olave, and he's going to be heir apparent to Tyree Kill now in Miami. Yeah, I like that fit for the Chiefs. Uh, if you can find a guy that can create artificial separation just based on routes instead of just speed, uh, that's definitely a good replacement for them. Uh, but I actually have the Cowboys using their pick and selecting Kenyon Green, uh, solidifying their offensive line. They just, they're paying Dak so much money, fresh off an injury. Um, you know, I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's got to be the smart decision here for the Cowboys. I think they got to take Kenyon Green. Yeah, I, I have Kenyon Green too. I think he's by far and away the best true guard as somebody who played guard in college. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the fit for the Cowboys. You got to start rebuilding that offensive line so it can be what it used to be. I, I think that's the play there for them. Yeah, I like it. Um, the Bills at 25. Obviously, the Chiefs just hopped up and took Chris Olave here. You can't add a secondary receiver going forward. And obviously, the Titans, I think, at 26 are probably possibly looking at receiver, depending on the 
the move with AJ Brown going forward. So that's why the Chiefs got aggressive and jumped him. With the Bills here at 25, men, not a lot of holes. Um, there's definitely other places they could possibly go, but looking at how one dimensional that offense could be at sometimes, this is uh this is one of those situations to me where I'm looking at Brees Hall and I'm thinking this kid is just way too talented. I, I don't want to wait to the second round and possibly lose out on this kid. Brees Hall. When you look at when you take positional talent out of it, it's probably a top fifteen talented player in this class. Wow, he is he is patient like Le'Veon Bell. He has burst through the hole. This kid is a difference maker in the run game. He can catch the ball well out of the backfield. Brees Hall to me is a, is a scary thing going forward in the Bills offense. Oh yeah, I love that pick. Um, you know, I'm sure Tim's probably turning his nose up at you right now, I but I absolutely love the fit, the pick there. Uh, I think Brees Hall, shout out Wichita, uh, Kansas boy. I, oh, yeah. I absolutely love the fit there. Um, dude's definitely gonna make a difference for them, especially like you said, an offense that can sometimes get one dimensional. Bringing the dynamic runner like Brees Hall into that offense is a no brainer. Uh, I actually have the Bills taking Chris Olave though, mm-hmm. um, adding that supplementary receiver to uh, to Stephon Diggs, just continuing to build around Josh Allen and Chris Olave is going to be, like I said, he's going to be open most of the time. So if you can find a guy like that fall to you at 25, I feel like the bills have to take him. I, I like it. I have the bills taking Devin Lloyd. Um, linebackers are someone we might see kind of fall just because of positional value. I have them taking Devin Lloyd for one reason and one reason only. I look at my opponents in my division. The Patriots have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, both, you know, red zone threats. The dolphins have Mike Gusecki. I want a linebacker who's going to be able to guard tight ends. And that's exactly what you're getting in Devin Lloyd. Yeah. I like to fit a lot. Um, the Titans here, again, the chiefs jumped up and probably took really probably the last receiver that you really, really want in the first round that you feel like has to go in the first round. I have them addressing another need an edge rusher. I think they go Jermaine Johnson here. They're going to try to scheme up some pressure and get after the QB. They did it decently well throughout the playoffs, but Bud Dupree just isn't the answer on the outside. I have them. And with Jermaine Johnson falling all the way to 26, I think you're absolutely ecstatic to get him this late in the draft. Oh, yeah, that's perfect value. Absolutely perfect value for them. Like, it's incredible that he was able to fall that four for him. And I'm sure that they're ecstatic that, that he dropped to him. Uh, I actually have the Titans taking Traylon Burks. Uh, I feel like it, it, Mike Vrabel's whole persona and his whole offensive or offensive and defensive scheme is be hard-nosed, grueling, and we're going to punch you in the mouth. And who's bigger? Imagine this. A.J. Brown, Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry, along with your huge quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. They're absolutely massive. So mm-hmm. I feel like if you can, let's say that A.J. Brown, there's some crazy stuff happens draft night and they trade for, uh, they or they trade A.J. Brown or they, whatever happens after this year, they can't agree to an extension and they don't have A.J. Brown. Perfect, there's this replacement. So they either can pair them together or he can be the replacement and it, it, fix, it fits scheme-wise. They're both, everybody's huge on that. It's just a perfect plug and play. Traylon Burks, dynamic athlete, huge guy, perfect. I have the Titans taking Desmond Ritter. Um, I hate Ryan Tannehill. I hate him with a burning passion. He is <laughs> he is like one of the kings of mediocrity. So I just take a chance on Desmond Ritter. Uh, really experienced, a four-year starter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken there. Um, yep. Yep. So maybe you go into training camp, give it an open competition, and if you think Ritter gives you a better chance to win, my God, you play him. Because if I have to watch Ryan Tannehill without Derrick Henry for another season, I might lose my mind. So that's <laughs> yeah, the only reason I haven't one. taken this. Um. I, I like the fit, and again, it, it's very valuable to take the QB in that in the first round, obviously, to have that fifth-year option. So pay, taking one late here, I don't think you could turn your nose up at it too and, much. And if he has to sit a year, he has to sit a year. So it's not the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. agreed. 
Uh, the Buccaneers here. I'm going Kenyon Green here. Obviously, he went off the board to the Cowboys here for y'all. Um, again, probably the top guard, top true guard um, in this draft. They did bring in Shaq Mason, but with Alex Kappa's departure and also the the surprise retirement of Ali Marpet, I think they're still going to look for more guys in the offensive line. Anything you could do to put in front of Tom Brady, I think is going to be a, a good thing for them going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm doing the exact same thing for the Buccaneers and taking Zion Johnson. Uh, you know, like you said, every there's they lost a couple big players on their offensive line. Uh, I feel like replugging that offensive line with a guy like Zion Johnson, dude from Boston College. I think it's it's perfect. The dude's physically imposing, great in the run uh, on run blocking. It's a perfect play. Uh, I've got the Bucks taken. I can't say this guy's first name. Someone help me. Kyrie Elam. Yes, thank you. Um, really, really big physical corner out of Florida. Biggest problem for this kid was penalties. That's why I love him coming to Todd Bowles, who runs a tight ship, a really good defense. I think he can turn around and make him like an elite number one cornerback. Yeah, I like I like the upside for Elam as well. Uh, sure. 28, the Packers, their second pick of the first round. I'm going Tyler Linderbaum here. Still looking to solidify the offensive line. You would, you would kind of like to go tackle, but I think a lot of the first round guys are off the board. Um, they're going to go Tyler Linderbaum here, fill in the hole left by Corey Lindsley, who left in free agency last year. And uh, Linderbaum is another guy that's probably a top 15 talent-wise. It's just oh, yeah. interior linemen, not in high demand in today's NFL. Oh, for sure. I mean, you saw what the Chiefs did last year with a good uh, center. They completely renovated their entire offensive line. Uh, Creed Humphrey completely changed their offensive line. So I feel like if the Packers can get a guy like Tyler Linderbaum here, who's who I have the Packers taking as well, um, you know, they just lost Corey Lindsley two years ago. Lucas Patrick now is a bear, a uh, guy that played intermittently at center. I feel like if you can have Tyler Linderbaum plug and play at center, you're in a perfect spot. I've got him going right. Christian Watson. Uh, maybe one of the bigger unknowns in this wide receiver draft class. A really, really big guy. Kind of has some drop issues. Um, I think this is the Packers way of going all in. Hey, we'll get you Tyler Lockett, who's a deep route running kind of guy. And then we'll give you a big red zone threat in Christian Watson. I think it's the best. This is the best case scenario for if you're a Packers fan, right? Like this is going to flip <laughs> your offense around yeah. very quickly while losing Devontae Adams. It's definitely the best uh best scenario if you're Aaron Rodgers that's for sure yes oh yeah um pick 29 the Chiefs are originally here remember I had them going up to get Olave at 24 at the Cowboys so here I'm not the Cowboys taking Zion Johnson I think they're a little upset they definitely could have got Kenyon Green or their their pick of lineman at 24 uh with Green and Linderbaum going the two picks before them still got a solid guard in Zion Johnson to replace Connor Williams going forward yeah absolutely uh absolutely checks out for the Cowboys uh, I think the Chiefs don't trade this pick you know it's it's hard to say what trades are going to happen i really feel like the, the chiefs probably will try to trade up at some point um but at least how it lays here i have the chiefs taking george pickens um guy tore his acl last year um but in my personal opinion i saw so the dude was heavily involved with miami um in his recruiting process and then on signing day ends up going with georgia uh the dude it, for at least three years was just had flashes like he's six foot three he has comfort or like his comp is aj green and it He's all of that. He's I think he's a more dynamic player than A.J. Green is. I feel like he's got better routes. Um, and I feel like the Chiefs are really missing that number one wide receiver. So I feel like adding George Pickens, that big body guy who's going to be out there and go get contested catches when you need it. Travis Kelsey, George Pickens will be there on third down. I feel like that's a perfect fit for them. I like it. I have them building for the future and taking Bernard 
Remen. I don't know if I said that right at all. Someone, someone can correct me. Bernard Ryman. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think this guy is another guy that we're going to wonder, wow, like how did this tackle fall all the way down here? If he does, I really like him out of central Michigan. The biggest thing that worries me is he didn't go against elite competition, obviously playing at central Michigan, but I think the chiefs build for the future, get a tackle. Yep. I like it. Um, back to back chiefs picks here. The chiefs have pick 30 as well. Um, I think they'd really like to have, um, to have Frank Clark return to his Pro Bowl ways. I'm not going to bet on that going forward. Uh, they could go corner here, but with a lot of the good corners kind of off the board, I'm going to go and David Ajabo, another guy that just, man, this edge rusher class is, is really deep, to be 100% honest with you. And Ajabo falling all the way to 30 feels a lot like um, um, Odafe Owe falling to Baltimore last year at, at 31. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm a little bit afraid of that. Um, the Achilles injury for David Ajabo, um, you know, especially with the Chiefs wanting to compete and especially in a, such a highly competitive division like the uh, like theirs. I feel like Boye Mafes should be the pick for them. Uh, the dude's he's pretty comparable to David Ajabo, but I feel like he's at least better in the run game. David Ajabo can bend the corner like you said earlier, uh, Owen. He can he can definitely create more of um, a pocket collapsing on passing downs, but I feel like Boye Mafe is the more rounded player, and especially uh, on a Chiefs defense that is vastly needing an edge rusher because Frank Clark's bones are still out there. I feel like Boye Mafe is definitely the guy for them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to just say uh, real quick, I did the same as Owen. Uh, I think he's somebody who might slide just because, uh, you know, he wasn't talked about quite as much, <clears throat> uh, especially with Aiden Hutchinson on the other side, so I like him going edge as well. Um, 31, the Bengals here, um, after their Super Bowl run is another team that doesn't have a lot of holes. They definitely could go lineman if they feel like reaching here. Uh, you can, like, like Tim said, you can never have too many offensive linemen. I have Andrew Booth somehow still on the board here all the way down at 31. Um, team's got a little wide receiver and and, an offensive line happy and it works out perfect for the Bengals as they add a corner to hopefully be the heir apparent for their number one corner currently in Eli Apple. So. Oh yeah, for sure. I have them. Uh, the Bengals adding Kyrie Elam, six foot two, uh, dude played in the SEC. Uh, it's easy to translate most of these Florida uh, DBs to the NFL, uh, especially this one. Uh, Kyrie Elam's dynamic player on defense, uh, shut down corner. It's perfect for the Bengals. I like it. I have the. I. I mean, I kind of let Tyler Lindenbaum fall pretty far. That's what I have the Bengals doing, um, and then they can kick somebody out to guard. Um, I. They need offensive line help bad though. Yeah, I think they've they've made strides there, but you again you can never have too many. Um, Mister Irrelevant of the first round uh, results of the Matthew Stafford trade. The Lions actually have pick thirty two. the The first time in NFL history the Lions have had pick thirty two. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a fact or not. I've obviously they've never won a Super Bowl. So it's a complete shot in the dark that they've never traded for this pick before. Nice meme. I have them making sure they get a fifth year option on a quarterback. I have Matt Corral going down here at thirty two. Um, I think he sits behind Jared Goff for a year and possibly, I mean, if, if he's ahead of schedule, nothing stops him from putting golf in. What do you have to lose or from putting Matt Corral in this year? What do you have to lose at that point? Absolutely. So, uh, Corral goes to oh, 32 yeah, sure. lines, possibly getting their quarterback of the future. Yeah. I like the Lions to maybe take a quarterback at 32, uh, just on whoever's left. Uh, and if there's a run on quarterbacks, obviously I hope they wouldn't, you know, reach for a guy like Carson strong in the first round. But anyways, I, I, I like to pick of a quarterback at 32. If, if it's uh, a guy that has uh, good value, but I have the Lions taking Daxton Hill, uh, just trying to continue to solidify that uh, secondary uh, who, you know, Jeff Okuda is a big question mark, especially coming off of injury. He wasn't great as rookie year, uh, but you do have Imani Orwarie on the other side, who is a sleeper for 
uh, a sleeper Pro Bowl candidate this year. Uh, I think that dude's really, really good, um, can make some great plays in coverage, and Daxon Hill's going to perfectly fit right there in the slot with him. He could potentially even play uh, safety form if they wanted to. Yeah, um, he's just a perfect playmaker for them. Yeah, Daxon Hill is a is a very versatile guy. I think he stacks in well. Can play safety, can play corner, and I and you hit the nail on the head about more a very very underrated. Absolutely. Yeah, I have the Lions take Sam Hall because why not? You know, you have to get special at QB, and Jared Goff is not special at QB. So take a big risk on a guy who can run, sling the rock around. I think it's a overall good fit. Yeah, that's gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna call it there. A little little over on time, but hey, man, I'll, I'll take five over any day of the week. We so. will definitely be posting our mock drafts to our Twitter, so be on the lookout for that. So if you yep. need help following along at home, the it'll definitely be out on on our Twitter um, for everyone to see. Um, if you made it this far, we love you. You know. Agreed. Yeah. God bless you. I can't believe you listened to this guest for this long. It's incredible. Yeah. It's they somehow they put up with us every week and then tacking you into the full grant, man. We're just, we're putting them through the ringer. Oh, no kidding. Good night. But we, we thank you all for listening as well. Make sure you guys go listen to to all the other shows on boys. Don't lie. The podcast. You're obviously BDL coming out every Friday. Bullpen bros is out from last week. Should hopefully be getting a mansion of one-on-one. There's a lot of music coming out uh, soon as well. So keep your eyes on those two shows. Follow us on TikTok at Boys Don't Lie Podcast on TikTok. We're posting, I mean, usually about every show posts about two TikToks a week, man. So there's plenty of content to go around, whether you like music, you like football, you like basketball, you like baseball. We've got it all there on our TikTok. Also, follow us on Twitter. Obviously, that's where a lot of the stuff will be. I think I'm going to post all three of our pictures of our mock drafts here. Um, so Owen underscore Burke, B-E-R-K on Twitter. Tim, obviously, at Pisswarm Takes on Twitter. Grant, you want to drop your, your Twitter for the people here? Yeah, mine's just at Grant Falconio. Falcon IO is my last name. I like it. Keep it simple. Um, that's going to do it, man, for episode 26 officially. It's going to be the mock draft episode. And um, I guess um, you can't really grade us uh, going forward because this is what we would do. And obviously, we're not NFL GMs by any stretch of the imagination. So um, not we're going to see how least. the draft plays out. Yeah, not yet. Facts, that's not the, yet. That's the key word there. We're definitely going to be running a front office here in the, in the near future. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it here for this episode of the Owen show. Uh, like I said, make sure you guys go tune into everything and thank you all for listening to two and a half hours of us rambling or however long we went today. So we appreciate you guys stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next week.